Welcome everyone to episode 76 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Once again, we've got a full house. The full crew has made it back. We were so thrilled with that Nintendo conversation that Kelsey put together last time. We had to come back and see what was next. So how are you guys doing tonight? Kelsey, what's going on? Uh, really good. I'm excited to get semi more modern this time. <laughs> not not all the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like come back to the future, but also in the past. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Chris. Well, first off, doing? thank you very much for completing my loyalty quest so I could be here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Next episode might not be looking so hot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, everything's pretty good. I'm mean, running like crazy. We've got a wedding that. I mean, I'm not like in in the wedding. I'm just a wesher, an usher, but I still have to like participate. Ooh. And so, like last week, I, we had a, a, a bachelor party, and then you know next week, and that's the weird thing. Like, like telling people like, oh, I'm going to a bachelor party, and they're like. Dude, how old are you? You're like you have a friend that's like never been married, and like I do. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, are you allowed to tell us uh, whose wedding it is? Is he the developer of a certain cartridge that we yes, may or may not yes. know about? In the I'll, NES, leave, I'll uh, leave it at that. I don't know if I should talk anymore, but yes, okay. it's uh, a former guest of the show many moons ago. Uh, so. Ooh. So you heard him. Go back and listen through the entire catalog, and then you'll know who it is. <laughs> but that's next weekend. So, so yeah, other than keeping oh, me busy, yes, awesome, cool. So uh, besides uh, being uh, uh, a loyal friend and an usher in a wedding, uh, what else has been going on for you the last uh, couple of weeks? So Chris? you know, I'll be honest. Like work has been work. So I mean, not a lot of personal time, but for what I have been doing. Um, I did watch season three of Star Trek Discovery, and it does take, again, another different tack. You know, it's kind of the way these shows go, though, right? Every new season is, like, a totally different kind of direction to a degree, but it was still really good, and I liked it a lot, so I'm excited for season four in the fall. Um, and I'm also excited for whatever the they're calling the new Star Trek. I don't remember. It's, like, going to have Pike and stuff in it, but... Uh, yeah, good stuff. So now I'm kind of like, man, you know, do I want to watch something? But then, you know, we've been playing Mass Effect. So going right into that, you know, been chugging through Mass Effect 1, which we're going to be talking about. I finished that one up, um, did, I think, pretty much everything you can do. Although I realized after the fact, like, I always kind of thought as I was playing through it, like the achievements, you get like the ones like use this so many times, use that so many times. I thought like, oh, my character had to use it. Like if I my companions had it, it didn't count. I'd have to do like another playthrough. But like right at the end of the game, like one of them popped from my from one of my companions. So I was like, well, crap. Mm, I if I would have known that, I would have been <laughs> doing that all the time. So I could get them cleared out. But okay, live and learn. Whatever. If I give another playthrough, I'll give a shot. I, I mean, I, not that I care about you know, the trophies or whatever, but it was more of just like, I mean, I'm using the powers anyway. I, I would have tried a little harder just to get it because we'll probably get into it. There's maybe some side benefit to that. Um, and then I watched, I'm probably the only person here that cares, but my wife and I watched the friends reunion <laughs> on HBO max. Uh, I, I didn't know it even happened until you mentioned that you've seen it. <laughs> right. And I know you guys are in a different age bracket. So, you know, when friends started, you guys were too young. For stuff like that. No, we we that was on our house all the time. Oh. We grew up with friends. Okay. But you have to understand, like when friends started, I was like nineteen, twenty. So I mean that age group of whatever that goofy crap they were going through was applicable and funny to me. 
Um, so I got it. And not that I thought it was like high-end television or something. It was just fun. It's something that everybody watched and you know, you could talk to people about it because everybody watched it. Uh, so we watched that and you know, it's some, and somewhat it's like a, obviously a, a trip down memory lane. And then in some cases you're like, well, oh, crap, I'm old, right? <laughs> it just makes you really feel old when you see these folks and you're like, okay, you're not young. <laughs> so what does that mean for me? Um, uh, and that like, oh, the show ended, it's been 17 years ago since the show ended. And you're like, holy crap. But, uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, no friends reunion show. It was fun to watch with my wife because obviously it's a pop culture thing. But um, you know, take it or leave it. If you're a fan, not a fan, it's not like I would say, oh, you have to see this thing. If you like the show, give it a watch. If you, if you didn't, if you're not into it, you can skip it. You'll be fine. Um, other than that, geez, it's probably about. It. I know it doesn't sound that exciting. That's probably been about as exciting as been for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you made it through. And, uh, yeah, you've definitely been chugging along on Mass Effect. I, I was a little late uh, getting started on it because I had some other things I was trying to kind of wrap up just to not leave loose ends. And just seeing you guys chat about it uh, in our uh, Discord, uh, like every time I saw it, I was happy people were playing it. But I was like, oh, I wish I was playing it too. So I kind of shuffled some things around to be able to make some more progress. But, yeah, especially when you said, like, okay, I'm on to part two. I was like, all right, I got to get <laughs> gear here. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. I did start in me too. So, uh, I'm not terribly far i've recruited a few people but uh yeah i'm gonna mm. i don't know if i'm gonna push that hard on this one since we're probably gonna be a while since we're ready to talk about it but still having fun with it all right cool kelsey what's going on with you man um it's starting to feel like we're getting close to e3 because there's a bunch of game shows this week there was like a sonic one uh state of play with uh, horizon and dragon quest 35th anniversary show so i checked all those out um, the Dragon Quest one, I think, Chris, you watched that as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Bill, did you check that out? I did yeah. not. I saw the uh, Horizon one, uh, which it's it's very interesting to me, um, being that that game is also available on PC, which is a system I am able to get my hands on. Um, but yeah, that was the only uh, one of those that you mentioned that right. I watched. The Dragon Quest one was super adorable. Like, they, they had... Uh, the series creator and a guy interviewing him at a desk, like very COVID spaced. And it, it was so like kind of low budget, but like just adorable. Like they start talking and he's like, wait, 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 wait. And he's like, come with me. And they walk over to the side and there's like a little golden orb with a string on it. He's like, please pull this string. He pulls the string and just a little banner and like 10 pieces of confetti come out. And it's like Dragon Quest 35. And he's like, Wow that was a very nice ball and a very nice banner. And then, and then they sat down and had like a you know, two minute conversation about how nice this, this banner and the, that orb was. And it was just really delightful. You know, what was funniest about that? And, and then, you might get to it about like, but when like the alert would go off. Yeah. I've definitely wanted to bring that up. Okay. So that there are some cool announcements, but they're, they're talking about uh, Dragon Quest three got announced that they're doing it in that like 2d HD or HD 2d style of Octopath Traveler. And so they're talking about it. And do you remember the series creator's name? I'm blanking on it right now. Hori. Thank you. So he's he's talking about three and saying, and he's like, I would love to do one and two. And you just hear this whistle go off, and and it's like that was really out of place, like and very loud. And then they they keep talking, and then he brings up one and two again, and he hears the whistle again, and then the 
the narrator guy, the, uh, the host, he's like, oh, I, I think we're supposed to move on. We shouldn't talk about those. And then he brings it up a third time. And the whistle's like, tweet, 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 like four or five times. So there's literally a guy standing next to the camera with a whistle for when he says things he's not supposed to say. And <laughs> he's just blowing it at him throughout this. It's so funny. I'm like, yeah. it's the series creator. You can't tell him not to say. And let's be honest. If you're an idiot that doesn't think they're going to do this for all these old games, come on, man. Right. So I I didn't know if he was whistling because he wasn't supposed to leak something that we're going to talk about, or if they had no plans to do that and he was just supposed to stay on topic. That was just very amusing. <laughs> Probably both. Yeah. But uh, some cool announcements. Uh, Dragon Quest Twelve. That was awesome. Uh, just a title so far. Uh, but Dragon Quest Ten Offline kind of blew my mind because that's like one of those things. Like same with Final Fantasy. Like there's those two MMO ones, and I'm like. You know, I don't want to play an MMO, but I'd be curious to, like, check out these stories and, and worlds and stuff. And this is a really cool way to do that. So I hope it gets localized. I really, really do. It makes me wonder because, like, Final Fantasy, you know, like, crazy enough, Final Fantasy Eleven is still running. Um, yeah. And since the community has dwindled so much, they've put so many features in to make it basically playable on your own. I wonder if that's going to be kind of the similar tack that they take. Because, I mean, basically, if you wanted to play Final Fantasy XI on your own, you just about could. I'm I'm a buyer if they put out an offline single-player version of that. Definitely. I don't think you would be, but... <laughs> I, I 100% would be. Oh, Why don't you think okay. I would be? Because uh, I played a lot of Final Fantasy XI. I do not think this is your kind of game, but okay. No, probably not, but it is, like, a glaring hole yeah. in my Final Fantasy, like, adventure, so I just want to finish that, like, just for completionist's sake. Yeah. So I've, I've gone through some some games I don't love. <laughs> I'm capable of, of beating long, monotonous <laughs> games. Not a problem. Okay. I think Final Fantasy XI and probably this one are probably long beyond. This is not 100 hours. You know what I mean? These are, like, hundreds and hundreds of hours if you want to get through all of it. For sure. For sure. Um, so it's cool, and it just kind of gets me pumped for all the the bigger reveals that are going to be coming in the next couple weeks. To all these these little shows popping up now. Um, yeah, the Bethesda Xbox One is probably the top yeah, on my list. Really? Do you think we'll get That's next Elder Scrolls? Not on my radar. Uh, I don't think God. so. I, I think I think it'll be you know they they showed like you know a screen you know of like here's what something here's we rendered something with the name of the next game on it you know like i think uh uh and i because didn't they did they say it's going to be after starfield yeah starfield's before yeah. unless they've changed that during all the covid stuff but that was what they said at the last uh, yeah. e3 i believe yeah mo- more than anything else i'm just curious to see you know like what the even if it's not games this year like like what are the plans what's on the horizon because uh, you know they bought the studio and now they're putting the name of it in the show so they wouldn't do that if they didn't have some stuff to show there. I wouldn't think so. That's why I'm kind of Elder Scrolls Online. You're excited about the next expansion, right? Yeah. <laughs> ESO. Yeah. I actually I love Elder Scrolls. I love Skyrim. I tried the beta, and of course, you know, with games as a service, like they change constantly over time. It might be better, you know, or at least different than it used to be. But I I played it, played the beta, and I was like, you know, it, it's not that it was like good, bad, or otherwise. I was like, that's what that is, and I don't want to play that game. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. So. 
Um, what else have I been doing? Uh, I've been still plugging away on Shimigami Tensei Soul Hackers. I think I'm finally really close to the end because that game is just kicking me in the balls constantly now. Like, it is so hard. Uh, like, I have to save after every random encounter because everybody's got, like, one-hit death moves. And if they clip your your main character, you just lose no matter if your other five are still fine. You, you lose, though. So it's a lot of saving, and the it's all like first person dungeon, and I'm on this like I think there's it, it's called like a forty floor tower, but you don't actually go to all forty floors. Like you go up the first three, and then you take an elevator to nineteen, twenty, twenty one, then you take an elevator to like thirty nine, forty kind of thing. It's like Shinra so, Tower, but then, right? Yeah, but you so you've got like eight floors, that, yeah. but then you've got you find out you've got eight floors on the left, and then you've also got eight floors on the right. And then once you do these little puzzles, it like opens up a whole middle part. So it's been this huge, massive dungeon that's taken me like a week to get through because both because the random encounters are super hard, and you got to figure out these uh, these puzzles and, and keep backtracking to, to unlock doors and stuff. So it's super complex. And I just finished the f- two bosses that were at the end of it, and the last the boss that I fought gave you so much XP that even though my characters are level sixty when I fought them, I went up two levels <laughs> from defeating them. Wow. Um, so if like, just cause of the level cap I'm at and how hard that dungeon was, I like, I gotta be close to the end. Like it's, it feels like it's climaxing to something. So hopefully next time we talk, I'll finally be finished that game. Cause I think I've been working on it for like four or five shows now. <laughs> um, my daughter hasn't wanted to play much the last couple of weeks, but my son, we got him the new Pokemon snap for his birthday. So we've, we've done a few sessions of that and it's really awesome, really adorable, really relaxing. Uh, besides, I've been playing Mass Effect along with you guys and chatting about it in Discord. Um, also, took a break before I start 2 and popped in some NES games again. And I cleared Super Off-Road and TNC Surf Design the last couple days. Uh, and I've been working on F-117A Stealth Fighter. And I could not find a good scan of that manual online anywhere. So I couldn't figure out how to make the last mission to appear because nor- like you just beat a level opens up the next stage beat that level opens the next stage and then I've got access to all six stages now and you can go re-clear them but I'm not popping up the final mission that you need to do to complete the game so without being able to find a good manual scan I reached out to Chris Roberts uh, which you guys reminded me of and he was kind enough to snap pictures of the few pages that I specifically needed out of the manual uh, and they totally cleared up what I need to do. You have to earn all these medals. And so you have to hit certain point totals on different stages in order to unlock a medal. And there's a couple ones where you have to like clear enough of the ground targets out of the stage or drop enough enemy uh, aircraft to unlock these extra medals. So I've been doing that. And then once I get all 10 of these medals, apparently it will open up the, the final stage. But that was just kind of a neat thing in the game that it doesn't explain in the game at all. Like you need the manual to know what any of these targets are that you even need them. So and does that one have game save nemes- or password or how's that work? It's got password saves, yeah. Uh, it, which is nice because you need a cumulative uh, high score of a certain amount to unlock different ranks too. So... You, you can just like mess around and play, blow up some ships. You get, you made yourself a hundred thousand points because I think you need four million points to get to the uh, last uh, promotion. So there'll be a little bit of grinding in that, even once I've got all the medals. But uh, it doesn't seem too hard. Just going to be time consuming. 
and then I pulled out one of my old uh, Nemesis games that I haven't played in a couple years, uh, Championship Pool. And I, I honestly think it is one of the top five like hardest games on the system. And I've <laughs> I've like I've been watching videos of a couple of guys that I know have beat it, trying to get some ideas. I've reached out to a third person who I know has beat it more than once, asking for tips, and just been playing and practicing the last couple of days, and it is still just destroying me. It's so hard. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep plugging away at that one on and off. See if I can finally knock it out, but it's it's brutal. Um, I picked up a new book from Hardcore Gaming 101. Um, when we did the Shin Megami Tensei episode a little while ago, uh, I just read that book and was really high on it. So I tried another one. I got a book all about Treasure, the developer, and I've just started it. But it's it's pretty interesting so far. Lots of lots of cool stuff I didn't know even from the first few games, uh, like uh, the McDonald Treasure Land game, like this. Tons of interesting stuff I did not know about that game. Uh, Gunstar Heroes I know pretty well, but still learned a couple new things. Um, and then I'm just uh, just starting to get beyond that. I just started that book, but I'm, I'm really eager to dig in further. And then we went camping over the long weekend up here. And since we play Mass Effect and I couldn't get my fix, I, I had the Mass Effect Revelation novel at home which is a prequel to the first game. So I thought that was really good timing. So I took that book with me while we were camping and finished it over the weekend. So I, we don't need to talk about it right now, but I, I definitely want to get into some of it when we start talking about Mass Effect because Captain Anderson and Saren both play a huge role in it. And some of the stuff that is important in the game uh, is fleshed out in the uh, in the book quite a bit and it's the same writer as the game so it's all like canon same kind of ideas oh. so very cool I'm, I'm curious i'm sure we'll get into it but does it talk about the arrival of sovereign and all that yes okay cool cool yep <laughs> that's awesome yeah. so yeah a lot of good a lot of good stuff in there um i uh i did not know that the uh the author was the same uh, uh writer from the game so that's very cool <laughs> Um, so for me, uh, uh, last few weeks, um, well, right now my wife is traveling, so I'm kind of Mr. Mom, uh, the last couple of days and, uh, uh, till tomorrow, um, there was, a, we had plans that I was maybe going to travel with her, but it just didn't end up working out with, uh, you know, uh, I don't have my second, uh, dose yet and just, you know, leaving three kids with my parents. Uh, we just, you know, it was just easier to do it this way. Um, so, uh, so I'm here and, uh, uh, the, uh, I take a, a little bit of a break from a couple of games I was playing again, like I said before, to kind of shuffle around and get some of the things that I, I really kind of had to get done and wanted to get done. So Ori and the Will of the Wisps, um, I'm, I was still really enjoying, but I just kind of put it uh, aside for a minute. The Epic uh, Game Store sale, the Mega Sale started um, like this week or last week, and I'm tempted to grab Death Stranding because it's the cheapest that I've seen it yet. It's I think it's like $20.00. And the Epic Game Sale, like they give you like a ten dollar coupon um, for like any game over fifteen bucks. So like I could get it for ten bucks. Um, it's just one of those things where you know I look at it and I'm like, even if I get it for ten bucks, like am I even gonna play this? You know, the next few months, you know, with Mass Effect, with Destiny. So like it's I'm kind of on the fence. I'm trying to be responsible with my dollars. Um, so that being said, what am I actually playing? Um, so I uh, am very close to finishing Axiom Verge, which I have finished before. Um, great game, love this game, um, and I'm doing that for the uh, uh, the playcast. Um, and uh, uh, 
my uh, my sons uh, they watch me play it and they both they've played it before they really like it but it's it's very challenging for them it's just like a little bit kind of beyond what they're what they're used to so just like in breath of the wild they'll grab the switch and they'll just load up my save where i have like all the weapons and all the hearts and like all that stuff and they'll just kind of go to town like that so that's kind of cool um i'm also playing uh, uh and i'm playing a mass effect along with you guys so we'll talk a little bit later as far as how far i am in that i've also like like you guys finished that game uh uh you know previously like years ago when it came out um, I did want to mention uh, that uh, the uh, Destiny Raid Vault of Glass that I've mentioned before and been excited about that is coming back to Destiny 2. Uh, I did get a chance to go into the raid with uh, some clanmates. Uh, we did finish it. Uh, in true me fashion, I did not get a Fatebringer <laughs> or a Vex Mythical Class, but it's just the first run, so I'm, I'm still hopeful. Um, and like many other people, I completely underestimated how much they were going to change the raid because this is the first raid they ever put out it's classic people know it people know the mechanics they, they love the raid they've they've been saying for a while they're like you know we're going to keep it familiar you're going to absolutely you know it's going to feel like vault of glass when you're in there but we are going to make some changes some updates you know we're not going to say anything else like you'll see when you get in there so we thought it would be like okay there'll be like maybe a few new enemy types in there or uh you know um you know some, something like that but man, they changed up some. Uh, oh, sorry. They changed up some mechanics. They uh, like made things that were just not like. I mean, no one's gonna play it in this. So basically, there's this encounter called Templar. It's like a three-part encounter, and in the second part of it, there are these seven oracles that you have to destroy. And depending on where you are in the arena, some of them are easy to see, and some of them are not easy to see. So you can, your team is kind of split up, and basically the, the oracles will, will appear, and they'll chime, and they each have a different note. So if you have a really good ear, you can kind of tell like which one they are after some experience. So you'll hear like, dun, 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 dun. And then they'll do that, I think, twice, and then all the oracles will show up, and you just have to shoot all the oracles that appeared to you know, kind of destroy them like during, during this uh, like ad clear. So in the new version, it's the same, like the oracles will light up, but if you don't shoot them in the order that they showed up in, the oracles explode and the team wipes. So it's like this like additional like a difficulty that was added to it, and they added that to the final encounter as well. Once you get to Atheon, the team that's inside the portal, either the, the past or the future, um, the oracles will show up in the present. Same thing, they'll show three times you have to destroy the oracles in the past or the future in the same order that they appeared in the present so it's just it's so cool because like a lot of times in a raid uh you know there's a way for you to you know like if you're carrying a player through you're like all right barry just stay over there and shoot what comes out of that door we'll take care of the rest you know like we'll carry you right and in this raid like there's really no one that can kind of sit it out like everyone kind of has to know how to do everything because there will come a time in each encounter that you may have to do a thing like, like uh, Chris, you got to grab relic and you can't be like, I don't know how to run relic. Like, you know, so uh, it was really cool. Uh, it took a, it took longer than I kind of thought it would, but like not in a bad way. It's just when it was over, it was like, all right, cool. That was great. And you look at the clock and it's like, Oh my God, it's 1230 in the morning. I got to work tomorrow <laughs> type deal. So, uh, so yeah, it was very, very cool. Um, since I, I cleared it in the first um, two weeks of it being active, uh, that got me, uh, qualified to purchase the Vault of Glass raid jacket, which I do not think I'm going to do. Um, 
it's a really nice looking jacket, but it's too expensive, so I'm not going to do it. And they tried to tempt me. They like tweeted. They showed that it like folds up into like a little you know like pouch. And I was like, that's really awesome, but it's like still too expensive for like what that jacket is. They just need to attach it to um, a vinyl and then of the soundtrack, and then you're in though. Yeah, <laughs> man. If it, I mean, you say that. <laughs> now they'll just play the jacket. It, they'll just it make is. it out of vinyl. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Just, yeah, just just throw the jacket on the table, and like the the arms <laughs> would be like spinning around the uh, the outside of it. That'd be great. But yeah, so uh, so still still into, and now that we have a. Uh, and I think I mentioned this before. Now that they've taken the reward, the pinnacle rewards away from Deepstone Crypt, uh, Vault of Glass is the only pinnacle re- uh, raid in the game right now. So I will be playing it, uh, you know, every chance I get. Um, and uh, uh, just a couple last things I wanted to mention, uh, just because I I talked to you guys about them off on the side. Um, I'm not typically like a Marvel. Uh, I like Marvel, but I'm not typically like a Marvel Lego guy. Like they have, you know, like a lot of different themes and. I just don't have the time or the space to, you know, I like my Star Wars. I like, you know, some other themes. But this new Daily Bugle set um, is so cool. And because I, I have a lot of buildings and it kind of fits in with the building theme. Even if you do have like a bookshop and a corner garage and like, a, and like a, you know, like a hotel and then the Daily Bugle, you know, with just, like Spider-Man. It's a nice little, nice little newspaper. It fits in perfectly. I know, right? <laughs> So um, I did end up picking one up. Uh, I've not. I'm not sure if I'm gonna keep it yet or not, or like run it as a raffle. Uh, I'm not sure, but I happened to be at the Lego store and I was like, all right, like let me get one before they sell out. So I picked one up. We'll, we'll see if I actually end up uh, building it or not. So many cool minifigs in that set. So many. Oh my gosh. So there's, there's, and like ones that like never done before. Like ones that like I wouldn't expect them to do. Um, and just a quick side note. Uh, uh, I've never. I've never um, uh, participated in uh, a Reddit AMA um, where they'll just get someone on there and people can ask whatever questions they want. But one of the Lego designers who uh, uh, who does a lot of sets and he did this set, they had an AMA like right after it was announced, or right before, either right before, or right after, and they were talking to him. And a lot of people were like, you know, did you ever ask to do like certain characters, certain minifigures, and like you know they wouldn't let you. And he was like, absolutely. He's like, because, you know, like, we're, we're fans just like you guys are. So he's like, I wanted to do this guy. 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 And he just, like, hammered him off. And then, like, he like, so he gives it to Lego. And then Lego's like, or Lego's like, oh, that's a really good idea. And then they go to Marvel. And Marvel comes back. And they're like, yes, yes, no, yes, no, no. And they don't give the answer. And then, like, you find out, you know, maybe later why it is. So he's like, yeah, like, you know, we're definitely under some... Uh, but like he said, they were surprised how many that they said yes to in this set um, that 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 they got to actually design. So uh, so yeah, it's it's got like what like twenty twenty seven like thirty something minifigs something like that. It's Spider Ham's in there. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, so so many good ones. And uh, uh, last thing I'll mention, just because I told you guys uh, off air. Um, you know how when you know when you're a kid, you have your cartoons that you love or your shows that you love, and then you get older and you're like, oh, I can't wait to show my kids this. So then you show them, and then sometimes they're like, oh yeah, that's that's okay, but mo- but like a lot of time for me, they just don't care. Like they it just doesn't stick with them, and that's fine. So it took me you know a little while to kind of accept that. I'm like, oh well, you know they're different. But the other day, we were scrolling through Hulu and I saw Animaniacs on Hulu. <laughs> So I was like, oh, dude, like, let me show you Countries of the World real quick. You'll love it. You've never seen it. And they're like, ugh. So I threw it on. 
And me and my wife are like, you know, always giddy listening to that song. And then it's over, and I turn to my kids, and I'm like, what do you think? And my oldest was like, why didn't they do it in English? <laughs> and I was like, dude, those are just the names of countries. <laughs> it's... So um, uh, I thought that was that, but then I got home that day from work, and they were watching Animaniacs. And the next day, they were watching Animaniacs. So something about Animaniacs has clicked with them, and they like are singing the songs. They're rebooting that show too. There's gonna be new episodes pretty soon. I was gonna say like, oh, all those '90s pop culture references. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't don't know how much of it, you know, they're, they're, it's sticking with them. But like, I there's like the Good Feathers, who like I never realized as a kid are just totally the good fellas like and the one guy who's voicing all of them uh like i'm listening to him and i'm like man did they actually get ray liotta for this and it's like no it's just one guy who like does a ray liotta and he does a joe pesci and he does a marlon brando you know so 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 cool so that was that was kind of nice but yeah that's kind of been uh, uh what's up uh on my front there right on so are we going to jump right into Mass I think we should make. One. I think we should Everybody take the ready? mass relay jump right into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the old uh, 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 what is it? Uh, that old FTL research, uh, and then just scrap that, and we'll just go this with the, this mass relay, which that, that was a cool revelation playing the game. Uh, that uh, I didn't realize that uh, because since since humanity found the mass relays like we didn't invent them or anything it's like oh now we just get to use this and talking to Caden he's like oh yeah when we were training at brain camp uh, you know back when they were trying to do all that FTL research and I'm like ooh so humans were tr- were tr- like trying to figure out space travel and they couldn't and they just abandoned it so uh, so yeah let's jump into mass relay and get right into mass effect 1 so uh, just for the record, I, I think I already know this, but just for everyone out there, has everyone played Mass Effect 1 uh, prior to the Legendary Edition? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, so this is a, re- a revisit for uh, for all of us. I played through it multiple times um, back on the uh, Xbox, back when it was an exclusive. Um, it was exclusive for quite a while right it didn't come out on the sony platforms until for, they for did the trilogy and then they bundled it in yeah it was just two and three for for a few years right and if i'm not mistaken because i didn't have it on a sony platform wasn't there like some sort of like recap disc that came with two for like sony people or like a digital novel there, there was, was like a choose there was a choose your about. own like novel kind of thing so you could basically pick your background for me too gotcha okay yeah, I, I remember reading something like that about because someone was like, "Well, what are the Sony people going to do?" Because they couldn't have played the, the you know the earlier game. So, but yeah, so yeah, it's uh, I, I played it back uh, you know back then as well. So um, we uh, uh, I have not finished uh, Mass Effect One uh, while playing through the Legendary Edition yet. Uh, we talked about that. Chris has uh, Kelsey uh, as well. I, I'm not Oz. playing the Legendary Edition with you guys. I'm playing the That's 2007 right. 360 version. <laughs> you're, you're crazy, dude. That's but right. okay, yeah, I, I forgot. I you still had think you're crazy. I, I forgot you had mentioned that. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So we'll go through uh, kind of what our experience is so far. Um, I uh, you know, like I said, I'm not nearly as far. Uh, as uh, as Chris or that as, that I'd like to be, but uh, I played the game before, so hopefully we can have a nice little Mass Effect conversation. And there are tons of things that I either did not remember, completely forgot, misremembered, and just kind of like as I'm revisiting the game, like wow. 
and I kind of had to look up, was it always like this? You know, like, did they change this? So it's, uh, we'll, we'll kind of get into some of that. There, stuff there's too. some stuff too. Um, that's really neat that I did remember or that I missed because uh, like just how my taste and knowledge have changed over the years. Like I have a totally different perspective on certain, uh, mm. events and characters too. It's just really fascinating to me. Right. Yeah, especially just like you know, like politically and like backgrounds 100%. of people and stuff yeah. like yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've I've definitely found that as well. And like stuff that like when I was younger, maybe you kind of like you know, not that you don't care, but you're like okay, like you know, let me skip over this and we'll get to you know like the fighting aliens part. But yeah, the stuff that's more interesting to me now for sure. Um, so uh, uh, we'll start off um, just with kind of like right at the beginning of the game. Um, you're kind of thrown into uh, so you are Commander Shepard. Um, is everyone playing as uh, the uh, uh, female or femme ship, as uh, people like to call her? I, I, I'm femme ship, yes. Yeah, I've, and I've done previous playthroughs, so I've done male ship, and and so yeah, I just I like I like the femme ship acting better, so that's what I decided to go with this cool. time. Yep, I've always done Mark Mir previously, or you know, uh, Male Shep, uh, and uh, so I've done. I'm doing the uh, female version for the first time, um, and uh, uh, I'm still pretty early on, so I'm going to reserve my like entire, uh, you know, kind of uh, opinions on that till I played a bit more. Um, so, uh, but yeah, this will be my first time playing with the. Uh, you'll uh, you'll be surprised at how limited sure. your relationships are as as a female. <laughs> I, I remember yeah. you saying that. Like, I'm doing this guy because it is my only yeah, choice. Like, yeah, in the first game of your film, you literally have two choices. Oh, um, yeah. Wow. So, well, I, I, I have no... I'm, I'm like Dr. Jones. I have no time <laughs> for love. So I'm just going just gonna to go go save the galaxy. We should mention, um, so we'll too, that off, uh, okay. Engineer Mike's been joining us recently yeah. in the Discord. Uh, playing. He's playing a male renegade shepherd, too, through it with us. And, you know, just while we're saying that, A, number one, again, always thanks to our patrons. That's awesome. B2, um, if you want to get in our Discord, become a patron, throw in a buck or something, come play Mass Effect with us and jump in, jump in the Discord. Tell us how you're going. We'd love to talk more about it and, you know, get some thoughts that maybe we could share when we, we tackle ME2. So, uh, yeah. Yep, for sure. Which, which you know, might not, might be pretty soon. Might be, uh, you know, by the time you hear this, it might be within a week or two that we, uh, that we jump over to 2. So, um, so we'll start off uh, kind of right at the beginning of Mass Effect One. Uh, you are on the Normandy, um, which is captained by Captain Anderson, who is voiced by the incredible, incredible Keith David. Um, I love him in everything. Um, or is it David Keith? That's what happens when you have Keith, two first Keith names. Keith David. I can never remember. Yeah, I'm like eighty percent sure. Yeah, I was, I was never trust certain. a man with two first David. names. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, from uh, uh, oh man, from so many things to just look him up. You, you know, know the know, voice you know, as soon as you hear it. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, he's awesome. So uh, and um, so you're going to investigate uh, this uh, you know situation on Eden Prime. Uh, you do have the option when you start off to choose a little bit of background info or choose a like a pre-made character. Um, you can choose physical appearance. You can choose some traits. Uh, what your background is, um, the three trope backgrounds, like, are you an orphan? Are you, uh, you know, were your parents in the military? Are you a sole survivor? You know, so there, none of, it was a lot like, to me, like a, a cyberpunk, where, like, uh, none of the, the backgrounds seemed like ones I had never seen before, except, like, the corpo, which is why I chose it, because <laughs> I was like, oh, I've never played, like, a former corpo. Um, 
So you get to choose a little bit of that info, and then you're kind of going to this uh, uh, you know, Eden Prime uh, location to kind of investigate some stuff. Uh, things go sideways, and uh, uh, I don't know how spoilery. This is all going. Let's just spoil the crap out of everything. Full spoilers on. Okay. So, so, so you go to Eden Prime. Um, there's a uh, there's a Spectre with you, which is like this special tactics and reconnaissance uh, branch of the uh, of the Alliance, which is like this kind of governing body of uh, uh, of uh, the areas of space that have been explored and are governed by by the Alliance. And so he comes with you. They find out, like, listen, like, we're not just here to test some equipment like we told you. Um, we're here because there's some stuff going down. We're trying to find this ancient technology that we have, uh, like, uh, reason to believe is on this, uh, this colony, this planet. Um, and also, we think you might have what it takes to be a Spectre. So we're just going to – we got our eye on you, uh, uh, Shepard. So you land on Eden Prime. Uh, one of your um, crewmates who's with you dies immediately, like to like the easiest uh, uh, ad. <laughs> you know what's funny about, about so, that? Some... Okay, so I'm I'm gonna guess A, <laughs> and and Kelsey, you tell me if Jenkins was in the prequel, but to, and it's funny because like why, how do I even know this guy's name? You might be asking like Jenkins. How do you even remember? Because like that's all you get is like one yeah. second of oh no Jenkins, and then you know that's it. Yeah, but um. Like, I just played a part in Mass Effect 2 where you reminisce about Jenkins with somebody. And you're like, really? So, she, and, Jenkins yeah, is right. not a part oh, of the prequel novel. Okay. The prequel novel is like 20 years prior to uh, to the game. Uh, but I did find out a funny fact about Jenkins just today. Is it His name is... Uh, I forget his first name, but his middle initial is L. Jenkins. So... The, the theory is that he's a the Leroy Jenkins because he just runs out and gets killed. <laughs> he just run right in. I so, yeah. So they think that's yep. just like a, an inside little gamer joke that they threw in there. That's I, really, I never realized that's really that. funny. That's, yeah, if that, if that's true, that's pretty funny. But uh, but yeah. So and it's like you know. So you're on. You're there with your squad. You kind of round a corner. And like this, like drone kind of drops out of the sky and like and kills him. And then you get control of your you know your remaining squad, and you just kind of take these guys out. And they're not. It's weird because they're not difficult to kill, and they don't really hurt you very much. So it's like I don't know how Jenkins <laughs> died, but whatever. So shortly after that, um, uh, Ashley shows up, who you have no choice. You must uh, uh, take Ashley into your party. And um, people have different opinions on Ashley. Most people aren't crazy about her, but we'll keep going. Do they have different um, opinions? So, uh, I don't know if I've heard you... a lot of pro Ashley, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll end up there. So um uh so what ends up happening is you find out that there's this like uh, kind of mechanical uh uh race there um uh, known as the Geth thought to be, you know, uh not extinct but thought to be like not in this area of space for like beyond hundreds the and hundreds Perseus of years. Veil. Ahead, <laughs> yes, beyond the veil. <laughs> They haven't left the veil, and how why like, would they be here now? Like, and, it's like and, a curtain in space. And, 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 what are you talking about? Yeah, and 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 quick and quick side note: there seems to be a lot of things in this game where like where people are like, "Oh, like they vanished fifty thousand years ago." I don't know anything <laughs> that happened fifty thousand years ago <laughs> regarding civilizations or otherwise. So maybe when you get out into space, your like uh, you know point of reference well, for time expands, and then people are like. What about these guys? Oh, it's been 790 years since they've been seen. How would well, people I mean, just know that? Well, like a th- Asari have lived 
they, like they over a thousand former, years so they go to the former prothean mm. places and just like you know how that calendar like the pole calendar uh, you know where you're supposed it's just yeah. those are all stuck <laughs> yeah. on the same yeah. day like you know you just <laughs> yeah start date 47.5 um so anyway so you're um so again you're there to find this prothean beacon you find that the geth are there which are this uh, like kind of mechanical uh uh you know mechanical type race and they are you know and they're there so you kind of fight your way through you get some information from some different sources and then um the specter who was with you he like pushed on up ahead and um uh, he's like, oh, like I'll meet you up there in a little bit. So you get to you, there's a cut scene where the guy who was with you, Nihilus, he kind of like pops out, like he sees someone, he puts a gun on him, and he recognizes him, and he, he says, Saren, and you know, Saren turns around, and he's going, oh, Nihilus. So, so they definitely know each other. They're both the same uh, species, same race, and um, uh, Nihilus lets his guard down and kind of turns his back to him because you know he trusts him, and then. Uh, uh, Saren puts a gun to his head. You don't see it happen, but then it's a really, really great cut. It cuts back to your group, and you have real time control over your group, and you hear the gunshot like in the distance. So you can tell like you were right there when it happened. It's really cool. Um, so you you go up and you find his body. You find a dude who like tells you, oh yeah, like the other one like you know shot him. Um, and the only reason he was there is because he can only make it through his shift if he uh, takes <laughs> a nap uh, behind the storage crates, which was a I which was is a cool resolution. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cool revelation, and and you know what was really cool about that that I didn't realize until this this uh, you know a, a future playthrough, a dude that you find before that, the one who kind of goes crazy and like he's like in that little side thing and he's like oh, the yeah. world's gonna end. Yeah. Like so I, the woman I he's with is like oh he's really brilliant but he's unhinged. <laughs> yeah, I did. And it was actually really funny. I didn't mean to, but I did. So um, but it's funny. Like you're like oh have you guys seen a Turian? And then the crazy guy was like oh yeah he was here he was here before with the beacon. And you're like, no, like Nihilus was on the ship with us. Like, what's he talking about? And it's like, oh, he's talking about Saren. So that was really cool. But there's a there's a point where he won't stop jibber jabbering, and like one of the options that I didn't realize was a renegade option was like, oh, like I I can quiet him down, like I can <laughs> shut him up. And I just thought that was the thing I was gonna say, like, oh, okay, I can quiet him down for you if you want, like I can shut him up. But no, you pick that, and it's just <laughs> boom. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's funny because like sh she was like oh like that was that was uncalled for you don't have to do that and the response was like uh he'll be all right and then her response was like yeah i guess you're right he'll be all right yep so so anyway um we'll we'll get straight through the end of eden prime so you um so uh uh so you so nihilus is killed you kind of keep going you know you got to find the beacon you fight your way through some more geths some more things and you end up finding the beacon, you kind of clear the area, and in my playthrough, I don't know if this can, can differ, but in my playthrough, Caden uh, Alenko got close to the beacon. It differs. They like swap the gender of whatever you pick. So if you're male, Shepard, you gotcha. save Ashley. If you're female, you save Caden. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. So so one of your squad mates it gets near the Prothean beacon, and you don't feel good about it or something kind of doesn't seem right. So you get in there, you throw them away, and then the Prothean Beacon kind of like pulls you off the ground, pulls you into the air. You have a vision, and then that's the end of Eden Prime. You go back on the ship. You kind of debrief, and you're like, all right, Nihilus is dead. Uh, this other guy was here. And then that kind of kicks off the, the whole start of like uh, the mission where you got to figure out. Oh, and um, you have a vision of the... Um, of the uh of this large alien well, and you uh, actually ship. see sovereign. amongst a bunch of raw hamburger right you you actually but yes. on the ship like when you're coming up to the beacon you see sovereign taking off 
and they may, they even comment about that, yes. like, wow, so, so, you know, yeah. that's, that ship is moving so fast. It's massive, yeah. Yep, so, yeah, you're right. As you're walking up, you see that ship, like, physically there, and then when you get off the, uh, uh, when you get back to your debriefing with Anderson, um, you get something up on, they're like, oh, like, put it up on screen, and then you actually, or wait, no, that was before, right? That was before the mission, uh, where he puts it up on screen and you see like the last transmission from the people that were like on the uh, on the ship, so you kind of know what you're looking at. But yeah, Sovereign is there, um, which is this really impressive, like huge, uh, amazing ship that looks kind of like a hand just dropping down downward. It's and like a um, and that kind of kicks squid. off. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the uh, yeah, I, I, the squid's uh, accurate as well. So um, and then so that kind of kicks off your whole uh, mission of like uh, so the Citadel is where the uh, you know kind of the uh, the council resides it's kind of like the uh this like amazing like huge big huge like you know satellite city and uh and yeah so that's that's kind of the intro of the game and what kind of gets you started and that becomes kind of like the hub for a lot of uh, uh you know like side missions and quests and uh like recruiting a handful of people early on so that kind of is what gets everything started so much lore yeah yeah so and I remember the first time, so we'll, we'll kind of go around the table and see what you guys all thought about the um, uh, the uh, uh, the Citadel and specifically the Presidium, because I remember back when I originally played it, and this time, I don't know if it was the frame of mind I was in or if it's the music, but the, the Citadel, and specifically the Presidium, makes me so tired, like oh. in my body, <laughs> I don't, and I don't know why, because I'm, I'm enjoying it, I think it's beautiful, I love the lore, I'm having fun, but something about like... I don't know if it's the music or just like if it's like because it's all action for that first part of the game and then you get to the citadel and it's like all right get ready to speak to things and people and to read for like a long time and just get like an info dump and get a lot of side quests and a lot of stuff happening so do either one of you guys have a similar experience to that well i'm kind of curious i mean i I guess before we go too far i'm kind of curious what kelsey is going to tell us about like this prequel book and stuff leading up to all this Sure, I can do that pretty quick because a lot of it I think I can skip over. Uh, so it's uh, Captain David Anderson earlier in his career. Uh, it's shortly after humans have joined the, the Citadel and, and got this technology. Uh, so it's after the first contact war, which gets mentioned a lot in the game. And they don't take place during the first contact war, but they bring it up a lot. Like there's still a lot of bad blood between Turians and humans for when humans first went in these Mass Effect relays and, and just started attacking the Turians basically. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of bad blood there. They're still in this game. They're still trying to sort it out. And you can tell specifically from a few like Saren and, and the one council member and stuff like they, they've got a little bit of distrust for humanity because they've lost and the, friends and the, family the sea, during the, the war. This the CSEC guy, like, yeah. uh, like right when you get to the Citadel, yeah. There's there's a bunch of animosity. Well, you do kind of learn yeah, that they're not all like that. Like, like Nihilus and Garrus both seem like they're like that was just some humans. It's not all humans. Like we get it. You do kind of oh, yeah. figure out though that like humans are kind of like space jerks. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, and and they really come off like that in the book too. Like there's a different count, a different ambassador. It's not Udina. Uh, I forget her name, but she's awful like just doing whatever she can to undercut people and like they're, they're doing there's there's a a ban a worldwide or galaxy-wide ban on ai research because they're afraid of where to lead and so of course the humans are doing secret ai research and something terrible goes wrong 
and it comes out to the council and humanity's like, yeah, we're doing it. So what? Like they just lean into it hard. <laughs> uh, it's, it's uncomfortable, but you can see why there's that extra distrust of humans beside the first contact war. Like they're already breaking intergalactic law and, right. and doing it very uh, openly after that. Um, but the parts that relate to this, uh, so Captain Anderson, um, near the end of the book gets a mission with Saren where he's being kind of, uh, looked at to possibly be the first human specter. And he's kind of forced into that role by this, uh, shady ambassador. Uh, she kind of weasels him in there and he's not particularly like nobody was really pushing for it except for her. And she uses an uncomfortable circumstance to get him in there. Uh, but Saren, I liked a lot in this book because in the game, you don't get a lot of Saren. You just get a lot of people talking about him. So you, it was cool to see him fleshed out. And like, he's not a good guy, even before all the sovereign stuff. Uh, like he's very much into torture. He's very much into murdering. If it makes his job easier, he says something like, I've only got two rules. You don't kill people without a reason. And there's always a reason to kill somebody. <laughs> so he, he uh, does a lot of murders That's and tortures so in the book. He, um, he is very much the um, ends justify the means, even in the game, right? When he get, does get a chance to elaborate on his own why he's doing what he's doing, he is a completely ends justify the means guy. Yes, and he's he's like that very much in the book, um, and he likes to he'll do whatever he w- needs to do to like complete his objective, and his objective is always very personal. And you find out that he lost a brother and some other important people in that first contact war, so he's got a very strong grudge against humanity. Uh, there's all this is like a real side note. We don't need to talk long about this, but there's a cool Krogan in the book who is a biotic user, and it like throws everybody off because everyone's like Krogans can't use biotics. And then he he does like really crazy biotic stuff every once in a while. But Rex has biotics. Yeah, apparently it was more this rare. Was Twenty years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, um, I hope he has the uh, the newer L threes because the L twos can be uh, a little uh, get that Krogan <laughs> brain cancer. So the AI research that humanity was doing, uh, there was a doctor who just. He would disappear for two weeks at a time on his like personal leave, like once a year, and nobody kind of knew where he was going. But then one of the other main characters of the novel kind of notices his behavior has been gotten really weird, and he's like super obsessed, and they're they're doing things they weren't supposed to do that weren't in the scope of their research and the stuff. Doctor Salion, and then the whole re- uh, Doctor Keon. Oh, I was wondering if it was like Q I A N. Because you have that whole thing with Garrus about that Doctor Salion guy. So no, a little, little different. Um, so eventually it, you find out that he's found some sort of ancient alien technology and he's like, this is our research now. And it's, and it's AI related and he's going pretty crazy and he's still alive. You think he's dead for some of the book and then you find out he's still alive and he kind of got the whole research team murdered, uh, because he wanted to take his research to a level that he knew the Alliance wouldn't be comfortable with. So he found Batarian, uh, funding, uh, and um, there's a, there's some sh- there's a lot of Batarians in the book which aren't really a big part of Mass Effect One. Um, right. So they're they've they've secretly taken the scientist and they're funding him and they're promising to build him uh, a whole lab close to this artifact that he found. 
And Saren, as he's investigating this, and as Anderson are investigating this, their paths are kind of getting closer and closer until everybody kind of clashes in the middle. And you find out that this alien artifact is actually Sovereign that the Doctor has found. And Sovereign, uh, like, this is going to be a, a late-in-the-game spoiler, but Sovereign has this ability to indoctrinate people into and, and make them do what he needs them to do. And nobody notices it happening at first. Uh, it's very subtle, and eventually, like, you can't fight it. So the Doctor's obviously, like, full-blown sovereign fanatic at this point and Saren kind of finds out about this and uh, wants to go explore it so at the end of the book uh, this this mission that Anderson and Saren go to they're trying to find this Batarian and this doctor uh, that have the link to sovereign and Saren ends up blowing up this whole factory and killing a ton of people and it's like a like a work like a kind of like a like a mining facility and you'd ha- you'd have like the camp where all the people that work there live and their families live nearby and like tons of those people are getting killed and, and destroyed in this uh explosion that Saren set off that he blames on on Anderson um Anderson, which is yeah. which is why Anderson doesn't get into the specter because this specter kind of framed him for that um but he finds out where Sovereign is Saren and basically murders everyone who might be a link to it. And he sets up his own funding through these Batarians and stuff to like go research this and find a new crew that can figure out what Sovereign is. And so I might be exaggerating that it's 20 years before Mass Effect, but it's at least 10 um, that Sovereign has, or Saren has access to Sovereign prior to the game starting. So even though he feels like he's very much in control of his own body during the first part of this game. I think he's like fully indoctrinated when Mass Effect 1 starts because he spent a good decade around around Sovereign. So I'm curious, did they say where Sovereign was or what state he was in? Uh, they don't get too much into it. They It's really the last couple chapters of the book. They just kind of unveil a bunch of that stuff. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, we'll get there at the end of the game. It does explain kind of the major plot points to you about all of this stuff. So you kind of understand why Sovereign was hanging around and and everything else. So just as another feather in humanity's cap, we're the ones who found Sovereign and and, uh, started that, too. Oh, okay. Good job, (laughs) boss. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I I was saying, how long of a book is it? Um, like I read it over like two days. It's a, it's pretty light read. Okay. I think there's 20 chapters, but they're, they're really short chapters. Cool. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely have to pick it up. Just throw it on the, be great if it was like exactly the same height as a, uh, as like a DVD case. <laughs> it's, it's short. <laughs> right it's like a little there. pulp novel. Ah, yeah. Okay. So um so yeah so that uh, that kind of takes us up to and um uh, so we, that last piece where you said about Saren and Anderson going on a mission together Anderson just tells like a brief snippet of that um once you become a Spectre um if you push him about it a little bit like you know what's going on and then and then it's like oh I'll tell you later and then if you just <laughs> ask him one more time be like oh like come on like, why don't you tell me now then he like tells you the whole story <laughs> yeah and it's 
that very very similar to what you just said you know i went on a mission he did this he said it was because of you know i blew his cover blah 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 that was it so i, I definitely like to read revelation yeah no like more, he was supposed to go into this mining camp prior to saren to save uh this female scientist and he's like you got 30 minutes to go in and then i'm coming in after you this is saren saying that and he waits 15 minutes and then goes in and starts blowing everything up, knowing Anderson's probably dead at that point. And he's like, if he's not dead, this will kill him too, because he doesn't want humanity as a specter. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so once you, um, uh, and I don't know if we need to go like into like the, the, the nitty gritty through like every single thing in the, in the, in the game, but we'll just kind of do that for like some of the main plot points. So, so you get to the Citadel there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, people you can recruit, and we'll talk about the different characters and the crewmates uh, uh, kind of once we get through the Citadel. Um, but one of the things you do when you get there is you you know, you know talk to the ambassador for the humanity, Udina. Um, you talk to uh, Captain Anderson, and you're like, here's what's going down. Saren's no good ski. Like, we got to go tell the council. So you go tell the council. The council's like, we don't believe you, partially because you're humans and partially because that guy's a specter. We're taking his word for it. Do you have proof? No, we don't have any proof. Okay, go find us some proof. You go find some proof. You get a voice recording of uh, Saren from uh, Tali, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, that uh, uh, that he says like, oh, like you know, like this beacon takes us one step closer to finding the conduit. And no one really knows what the conduit is, but like you can tell it's his voice on there. And then there's another voice on the tape that the council does recognize. So you bring the evidence to the council. And there's no apology for like guys like we're we're really sorry we didn't believe you. They say this evidence is irrefutable. We're stripping Saren from his Spectre status. It's like okay, no, we forgive you. It's all right, but no worries about it. So um, so that so that's kind of the end of the the main story part of the Citadel. The other voice that the Council recognized was Matriarch Benezia, who is um, uh, uh she's a um, a, she's an Asari who are like the blue. Uh, alien creatures that kind of have like the the squiddy type tentacles kind of going like from the front of their head to the back of their head they all appear to be female but if you talk to them a bit more they kind of explain how their 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 physiology is very different like they can mate with different species you know regardless of gender it's more of like a mind meld it's very demolition man uh the way that they uh that they, uh, that they do things but yeah exactly so um the voice they hear is, is uh, matriarch benezia and and then so there's three options that you have when you leave uh actually there's four options you can go after uh, uh matriarch benezia who is mm-hmm. on novaria yeah. um you can go after her daughter who is a, a researcher researching protein technology and you just have to go to a certain system and the hint they give you is like oh like just look where there's protein stuff because that's what she uh, protein ruins because that's what she researches so you got to find her um, the other one is to uh, Pharos, and and what's and what's on Pharos? The colony is just having a lot of like attacks from Geth. Right, right. The Geth attacks on Pharos, and I think if there's some there's several um, side quests that you can pick up that like have uh, loose ends you can tie up at all these places, and then the fourth thing you can do is just go wherever you want and do whatever you want and mine some stuff and kill some things and get some experience uh, or like kind of. Uh, do loose ends in the in the citadel, uh, Chris. Well, there's one more thing. If you have the the DLC or the legendary edition, you can also do the bring down the sky mission whenever you want. Oh, you can. St- that's right. You, you could start right <laughs> yep. from there. That's true. 
so uh, so for you guys um, who have played it before, um, did your previous playthrough affect your decision? Because I'll tell you, for me, I've just tend to just do Novaria first. It's just always what I've done. Oh. So this time I was like, I'm not going to do Novaria first. I'm going to go after Liara. So that was the first thing I did is I went after Liara. Uh, so how about you guys? Yeah, like, do, do it you was like tend to follow the same pattern, or it was like another crew member before I do the other stuff for sure. Because then you like I like to bring her into that Novaria fight because it's Benezia, it's her mother, so you get some some extra dialogue there if you bring her along. So yeah, I always go to Artemis Tau first and look for uh, look for Liara. Yeah, and even before side questing. Yeah, I did pretty much the same thing as that because, well, I mean, first because I wanted to be totally different than what I'd done before. I went and did all the just empty systems that have goofy side quests. I did as many of those as I could because I thought, like, you know, I just want to totally see how if any of this is different. Which the side questy stuff really isn't. Right. I mean, the, whoever you take on the mission basically has like one or two quips, and that's about it. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but after that, then, yeah, I went to get Liara um, because that's the same thing, right? I thought, okay, I'm going to bring her with me when I do Novaria. Um, but I actually did go to Novaria, do some of the early stuff, and then leave, which I've never done before. Usually I go to a planet, do okay. everything, yeah. and then leave. Yeah, but this time sure. That didn't even occur to me. You could do that. This time, I, again, I wanted to try to do something different. So I went to, like, there and Pharos and a couple places first just for a little bit because I wanted, like, oh, can I get – remember those licenses that you can buy to get stuff from the guy on the ship? I'm like, how many of these can I collect and get some good gear before I actually go anywhere? So I tried to do some right. of that just to break it up. I, I wonder if that's why you don't have as much issue with uh, your people dying early on because you did. Did you get a uh, you know a good amount of experience and levels and other gear? Yeah, licenses, stuff? I think, yeah, really kind of open up yeah. what you can start to get gear wise. And also, <clears throat> I bought um, like after you become a specter on the Citadel, there's like that specter supply guy that's there. <clears throat> yeah, the yeah, and he will officer, sell you like yeah. these really high end at the time weapons. Um, there's some of the best in the game. So I just saved up and bought some of those. And you can, <laughs> like, totally mow down a lot of these enemies with these weapons. And, and you know what's really amazing to me about that? And maybe it'll it'll come back to me as I play more, but, um, and we'll talk about the combat and, like, you know, whether or not it's clunky. Spoiler alert, it is. But, like, I the, the weapon system was, like, really kind of, like, I'm trying to remember... How does this even work? You know, I got you know like yeah, Lancer one and then two, three, four. So there's different like styles of weapons, uh, and then it's like okay, like I've got these. It seems like I've got like different ammo types and like add-ons and stuff. Couldn't for the life of me figure out how to apply them. Maybe I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't have the you know ability no, you to do it yet. And also like the and also the economy is like uh, okay, like do you want this gun for like 200 credits or this gun for 937,421 well, And that's credits. the thing like, there's, that's really there's... busted about this. My recommendation to anybody going in if you want to, just take whatever the heck the game gives you until you can afford to buy that Spectre weapons because those will carry you through almost the entire rest of the game. And I had, for most of the game, got to the point where my money was maxed. Because I just it got so much crap I never needed. Like I just had all the money I ever wanted, and right. So and, and early on, and early on, if you don't know that, you're like, well, should I reduce this to Omni Gel right. or is Omni Gel stupid? And should I sell it or should I not sell? It? You know, like until I, until I get to a point where I'm kind of familiar or I remember. But yeah, I to the, like as of this recording, just a little while ago, I was playing. 
and I am in my weapons, I can look at details, I can see the little glowy like spot where I can add something onto the gun, still can't uh, figure well, out the, how to do in it. In the game anyway, it's easy. You just, there's a button for upgrades, and you just do it. But um... Right, like I hit, yeah, so I'll, I'll have to look at it, but I hit the upgrade button, it's like a bumper, and then it just shows me the upgrades that are on it, and there's nothing okay. on that well, screen. Well, if you have multiple, you can just pick which one you want, and then hit the button, and then you mm. like push right and you'll go to the next slot and you pick what that you want in that slot and then you lock it in all right i'll Um, figure it out so i spent zero dollars over the course of this whole game (laughs) i bought no equipment ever really i I mean i bought armor any money or go to any armor is what i bought nothing any licenses nothing no licenses even the armor is what gets to be well especially like i'm playing on insanity difficulty so i mean if i didn't buy some of the best armor then uh, yeah, they would have just been totally dead constantly. But yeah, just I, I was playing on normal. You literally don't need to ever buy anything. If you play the game on normal, though, honestly, you just don't have to worry about combat. I mean, for most of the game, you'll just hardly ever die. I'm not, I'm not great at shooters, so I did die a bunch early in the game until I like picked up enough equipment that I could equip ourselves better and then just kind of get used to how it played and when to hide and recharge your shields and stuff like that. Like even on insanity, I mean, I just didn't die that often. It's just once you kind of get the hang of it and how it goes and like the game is really janky and that you can just sit and cover most of the time. And then he was just run around, run around, run around and never come at you. I mean, there's very few enemies that will storm your position, and you always know who they are. Oh, they're Krogans, they're Geth Primes. If I see those guys, take them out right away, because they will storm your position. Otherwise, everybody else will just sit back like morons, and you can just recharge your shields, take your shots, who cares, right? Yeah, I This might be a stupid question, but I couldn't figure out how to change my gun, so I just used a pistol for the entire game, oh, too. Oh, just a uh, right bumper and then pick your weapon. I, like, I swear I pushed every button on the controller once to, like, try it out. Couldn't figure it out. and like, screw it. I'm pistoling this thing. And So do you know, like, with your left bumper, how that brings up the powers wheel? Yes, yeah. The right bumper just brings up the weapons wheel. I wonder if my right bumper is not working then, because that did not happen. Uh, yeah, you just hold it down, and then it's just like the uh, powers wheel. You just have a block for each one of your guys, like the powers wheel, and you pick a weapon. Yeah, when I originally played, I remember swapping between pistol and sniper rifle. Yeah, because sniper rifle time, is broken I was gonna, in this game. Totally broken. Yeah, I was going to do the same, but I could not figure out how to switch weapons. So I was just like, all right, we're going to pistol this, and that's how we went through it. <laughs> Thing I've to keep got in mind. controller now. Is that... Sniper rifle is broken in this game. Um, if you can get good at doing a quick zoom headshot and just load up on the most damage or whatever you can, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You'll just take things down yeah. like it's so a piece of cake. The only part of the whole game yeah. that was kind of hard with because I was doing pistol only was right at the very end before you face Saren. There's like those big heavy turrets outside of the Citadel. Those are hard to take down with pistols, but I, it's possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds very rough. Um, so one of the differences I remember from the original to uh, uh, to the new one, and I hope I'm not misremembering, but I remember the sniper rifle having like an artificial yes. 
uh, uh, you know, stability stat where it would just figure eight like all over the place for like no reason. And I'm like, why is it doing this? And it's like, oh, because you haven't like leveled your thing. But up you can yet. get an upgrade. And that, I, I remember it being stabilize. like, right. So in this version, and I don't know if it's, and I don't know if it's because I'm playing on PC. Um, and I started the game on mouse and keyboard, which is my preferred way to play. I might have mentioned on a previous show, my wrist has really, really been bothering me lately, and the mouse kind of like makes it worse. So I'm actually playing on a controller on PC just until it feels better. And controller or mouse and keyboard, when you aim with a sniper rifle, it is dead, like does not move, like stays exactly where you have it all the time. Um, so I don't know if that was a change they made or if it's just because I'm playing on PC where they don't have uh, that kind of, um, you know, that additional like a uh, uh, instability uh, uh, modifier. But uh, I typically, um, uh, so uh, the, with the, the left bumper and the right bumper are like your weapon swap and like your uh, your abilities, as I recently found out. For some and of us. I kind of go between. Us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of go between. Um, I started off with pistol and it's just kind of like my mentality, kind of like a doom thing with like, OK, let me like waste the ammo, you know, let me not waste the ammo for my good stuff. I'll like save it for the other stuff. And very early on, I remembered, oh yeah, there is no ammo no in this ammo, game. Yeah. It's just cooldown. That's and it's. I remember thinking this was like the coolest thing, like way back in the day. And like I like rediscovered how cool it was. I'm like, oh, I just work on like your, uh, you know, like your heat sink, right? Like your heat sink capacity is like what you're working with. So um, I'm like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about finding sniper rifle ammo. So like, let me just use a sniper rifle all the time. So one of the things I've run into early on, like in the Citadel, when you go after Fist and, and is uh, 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 to, to find Tali, um, the guys are kind of in there. Just pop out the sniper rifle, headshot. Um, the among the many things that I'm not crazy about in the combat is um, the uh, the lack of feedback for the the damage you're doing. Like you can tell you're doing more damage on on a headshot than you are to the body. But without there being any um, any number, any like you know like visual indicator, I find a lot of times when I'm shooting a thing, like there's no stagger, there's no flinch. Like I'm like, did that even do a thing? Like you have to kind of look at their health bar or their shields, um, and that's so the only I, like I, real feedback. I think that you I guys get. and a lot of people come at these this game specifically, not not two and three, uh, as a shooter. Whereas if you come at it with like a D and D perspective, like this is a role playing game. Like that's why your aim's weird because mm-hmm. you don't have the stat up and, and stuff like that. Um, so I get it. And it never felt weird to me because I don't play a lot of shooters. So I kind of understood it in a different mm-hmm. way, but I can totally see why if you're used to like, here's where I aim, it should hit. Cause I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing. I can see why that would be frustrating, but that was it never felt clunky to me. Cause I didn't come in with that mindset. I don't think. But if you will watch, like, your reticle, um, if you, like, with a sniper rifle, if you score mm-hmm. a hit, it will, like, change color. So you'll know, like, oh, I got a hit mm-hmm. on that. Okay, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to look at that. And then the other thing, too, is, like, I would be I would be so far away from a thing that I wouldn't see, like, their, uh, like, the health or the shield uh, meter. And, like, I would be firing at this thing, like, on a planet, and I'm like... I don't think I'm hitting it at all. Like nothing's happening. And then I would get like a little bit closer to where the point where I would see their like life and shield bar. And then I would shoot at it. And then I would see the shield kind of dropping a little bit. So I don't know if that's a range thing on the weapon or if they, you know, there's just not like an infinite thing like that. Um, but those are just a couple things that I had noticed about the sniper uh, combat early on. But uh, so yeah, uh, Kelsey, I'll completely agree that it, it, 
uh, the like the combat was something that like even way back then like just always like felt really clunky. It wasn't like responsive the way I wanted it to be. But it was one of those things that once I kind of pushed my way through that and then just kept playing the game for what it was, I was able to like really like latch on to like a lot of those systems where. Uh, I really knew the weapons really well by the end of the game. I really knew, uh, you know, like what all the how all the systems kind of intertwined. And this isn't a game that I love for its gunplay. Uh, obviously, it's Mass Effect One specifically is a game I love for the story, the music, which I don't think we've mentioned yet so far, is has an impact every single place you go, like on the Normandy, in the map. At the Citadel, like you know, on, like no matter where you're at, there's like a memorable track, which is amazing. Yeah, I really like that map music. Yeah, that's that's one that I would just put on repeat, and you could just put it on repeat, and it's got that kind of intro, and then you got like the the kind of melody that goes over that, and you get another one that kind of comes in. It's I could like it's something I could like clean the house to, and uh, it's like nice and mellow, and it takes your takes your like anxiety it's level like down. It's like Persona for me. Like it really gets me into the game. It's really atmospheric, and I love it while I'm playing. I never want to listen to it outside of the game though. And see, that's the thing about ME One is it's very does kind of have this very chill <laughs> vibe. Like even like I really like that title screen. Just that. Yeah. That really light. That's what's that's one of that's one of the best songs in the game. And what's so impactful about that, if we ever if we get that far, is when you hear that song in the game. It's like one of my favorite like moments in the game is when you're you're kind of getting a whole bunch of story exposition, and that's and that song is like over top of it. It's so. But so it's cool. funny. I know we're not going to get into um, it much this, but it just how different. ME2 is like even the title screen is that really hard hitting like you know and it's yeah. it's like no like no this one's not calm like the other one right this one yeah. is action <laughs> right and it has and we will we'll get into it you know at a, on a future show but just how uh how impactful the beginning of that game is <laughs> like it's it's uh they just they kind of just reach in and like rip your heart out and like all right like figure it out you know it's just not the way i would expect them to to start off that second game it's it's amazing and one of the best uh like game intros like to this game day that i've ever played pretty strong Um, outro too yeah 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 for sure yeah i mean there's it's i remember really really loving me one so much and then hearing so many people talk about me two like oh like this is like one of the best games ever one of my favorite games ever and it was almost like I felt this, like, uh, you know, I just felt so good about ME1 that I was like, yeah, like, nothing against ME. Like, ME2 is awesome, but, like, let's not forget, you know, let's not forget our, our little buddy. But it's buddy really like here. the Star Wars but, trilogy. Uh, I mean, to me, it mimics that exactly. Like, your ME1 was your first love. You got to know everything. ME2 is the Empire Strikes Back. It's the dark chapter that everybody really thinks is the best chapter. And then 3 is the one that... You know, it has to bring everything back together, and maybe everybody doesn't agree about how it ends, but you know, everybody still loves right. them. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we will definitely get into three. I, I feel like three got such a bum deal, such a raw deal because never played it, it yet. One of the best. Oh my god, we'll we'll talk about it later, but it is four thumbs up, uh, Goro <laughs> thumbs up, just as as many as you can get. Um, so, so without getting uh, you know too much more off track, so we talked about um, uh, so our ship the Normandy, which is awesome. Chris wants a Lego set out of it. 
Um, we talked about Eden Prime, uh, Novaria. Uh, so uh, Artemis Tau, um, we'll just mention briefly. It's a fairly short, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, mission to go there, and uh, you're just kind of making your way through uh, this kind of very linear path. You're shooting some robots on the way there, picking up some items, and then you find Liara, kind of, you know. Uh, lifted into the air like suspended by this uh um you know uh a field that's kind of holding her there and you do some things you turn on a laser it blasts a hole through you find her and then there's a little bit of a battle sequence where like there's like a krogan that's been paid by saren to come and like kill her for uh you know for reasons you fight them she joins your team and, and she gets on the ship and that's kind of artemis tau right um so uh, did you guys go to Novaria after Artemis Tau because of the Liara? Yeah, can we just connection? talk like two yes. seconds about Liara as a character? I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You may, yeah. You had some opinions that you shared and we can, we can uh, uh, dissect. Yeah, those what's the bit. one thing that strikes me is that she's probably, she's one of, there's just a couple characters that you see in all three games. And she is like the flattest character I mean, just hardly shows emotion. Like, I don't know if it's the actress or how they told her to act. I, I think that because yeah, she's supposed to be like the scientist who's like involved with her work and doesn't have social skills. So I think that's probably how they told her to portray the character. Probably. But I mean, she nails it then because there's it's like a really yeah, dull well, she, character. Yeah, she brings that up a lot, especially when you're like going through the romance option with her. She's like, I can't. I don't know how to talk to you. She's like, I didn't pick up on your sarcasm. Are you joking? Like, I didn't mean to say it that way. Like, she really is awkward and weird to talk to. Yeah. She really needs to pick up some of those Elcor traits <laughs> right. uh, to, so that she can yeah. uh, <laughs> communicate her. So we didn't mention the Elcor. They're one of the races <laughs> that you find on the Citadel. And they're like, they're kind of like hairless Eeyore, snuffleupagus. Right? Yeah. They're just like these big kind of like, and since they don't like communicate with like you know like a lot of inflection in their voices no one can ever tell what they're feeling so like when they start a sentence it's what their emotion is so it's like uh cautious optimism <laughs> i would love to help you <laughs> it's really really endearing um it reminds me a lot of um uh uh one of my favorite books of all time the name of the wind uh the same thing there's this like tribe of people that don't like express their emotions so there's like a um there's like hand signals that they do that like describe like you know if they're sarcastic if they're happy whatever so that's that's kind of cool but yeah liara so you mentioned that in the discord um say hey like you know is liara falling flat for anybody else and i said like yeah she, like a little bit but i had like just saved her hadn't even like got to the normandy where you kind of like are one because once you get back to the normandy that's when you can kind of find your crewmates and find your your squad mates on the on the ship, and just kind of like you know prod them a little bit, you know get some information about them. So first I went to Ashley, and uh, cause I hadn't talked to her for a little while, and um, I, I as soon as I got the option to not have her in the squad, I took it. <laughs> like I like I think Rex, like Rex comes in, and it's like all right, Rex and Caden, and then Garrus comes in, Garrus and Rex, like later humans. So um and then uh, when I'm when Ashley, I go to Ashley, I'm like yo Ashley, what's up? And then she's like, oh, like, I feel really bad about Jenkins. And I look at the options and I'm like, you know, of the ones that were there, I try not to think I actually would really like it if the Paragon and Renegade options were like randomized in their physical place on that wheel, as yeah. opposed to just being like, always choose one or the other. Like you, you choose the response that you would. I just use. wish there was a, an option so to be like, I, who is Jenkins again? <laughs> 
<laughs> who? So I think I said to her, and I didn't mean for it to come off cold, but it was probably the bottom option where it was like, you know, like, like sometimes Marines die, you know, like we, like we got to pick up, like we got to move on. Like that's the best thing to do. It was like something in that vein. Um, and then, and my shepherd said like, you know, Marines die, you know, like his number was up and that was it. We got to move on. And Ashley was like, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. Like, that seems like a, it seems like a cold way to look at <laughs> and it. And the whole time I'm just thinking, and I didn't want just to... wait, Ashley, your turn's going to come too. Yep. And I didn't want to. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't want to talk to her anymore. So I chose the option. So like the way our conversation went was like, oh yeah, like sometimes Marines die, you know, we just got to carry on. And she was like, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of cold. Like, that's not the way it should be. <laughs> I'm going to go now. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and that You're was the last time I talked to her. So, um. And then I got to Liara, and then it was actually it was a good conversation. So you go in there, you find out that you know she's obviously you knew she was a scientist, but she's really involved in her work. Um, you, and you say to her like, oh, like it must be lonely out there. And she's like, actually, like the solitude is kind of like appealing to me, like because I'm I'm kind of cool on my own and everything. Um, and then, but it kind of comes out that like she doesn't really understand how to be social with people, especially humans. So you'll take like kind of jabs at her. Um, and like, she has no idea you're joking. And then she gets all flustered. But every time you say like, okay, relax, I'm joking. She was like, oh, I always say something to embarrass myself. Like pretend this conversation never happened. But, uh, um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't flat in the sense that the performance was bad. It's, it seems like it was a performance that's been directed to be this way. And that's how the character is. Cause when you talk to like, uh, like a Tali, um, I mean, obviously she has, you know, like different accent, different background, um, and, uh, uh, you know, when they talk about the flotilla and like their people and like their history and everything. So I do think it's a bit of the, um, a bit of the, uh, the direction more so than just like a bad performance. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's appropriate for, for her character. And, and I her think background. that's probably it too. I don't think, I don't blame it on the actress simply because mm-hmm. even in two and three, she still plays that really flat character. I guess it's just mm-hmm. me. I'm like, and I've romanced her before playing this game, and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. You're mm-hmm. just, you're just like, yeah. it's like eating dry toast, right? I mean, like, I oh, just know. Yep. Uh, I'm just gonna. Some of us like dry toast, yep. Chris. Uh, hey, man, if you like dry <laughs> toast, get your blue yep. on. Um, but <laughs> I had to, I had to go with Caden. So, are we going to talk about Caden for a minute? Let's do it. I mean, so it's it's yeah. We let's uh, let's just go through the crewmates. Um, so Caden is one of the uh, the first ones you start off with. So he's you know he's not optional. He starts off that mission with you. Um, to be honest, being uh, uh, you know playing as as male shepherd like all those years ago, um, and just you know him not seeming all that interesting to me besides just like having a biotic in battle. He was someone who I like never ever ever had in my party like ever. And I know a lot of people on the the femshep side. Um, they they did have him because you know whether they knew it was a romance option or whatever. The voice acting, um, uh, same thing. Like I, I think it's appropriate for the character. He, his voice kind of has like a really interesting uh, uh, sound to it, like one that uh, um, is is pretty pretty recognizable. Um, but uh, he's got this background, like we mentioned briefly before. So he's a biotic user. He's got like one generation old um, biotics compared to what they use now. And when you talk to him about like going into getting the biotics, it's actually like really insanely scary how many people just like drop out of the program because like they can't handle it and they're like oh like what are the side effects oh there's all sorts of side effects like insanity <laughs> brain cancer you know they were, like, like experimenting these, then, like, on children and stuff like yeah 
yeah, it's it's like when he got it, I was like, that's in, that's insane. And then that's when he was talking about where they send them to go to camp. It's like on like the edge of the galaxy, so like kind of like the last like the jumping out point where they were like studying the the, the FTL or also known as faster than light technology before they got into mass relays. So that was like a really disturbing conversation that I had with them. Um, the uh, the character, I mean, he doesn't like strike me as like. Uh, you know, like, a, oh, my God, I love Caden. I got to have him on my team, kind of the way that some of the other ones do. Um, uh, so how do you guys feel about Caden? So obviously I romanced him. So, I... <laughs> so uh, yeah. you know. I... Yeah. But no, I no, I meant how did you feel yeah. about him in Mass Effect? Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think he's got a much more sympathetic story than Ashley, um, oh. who's, I guess we'll get to in a second. But, um yeah, I mean, you learn more about, like, some of these tortures of this brain camp that he was at as you kind of go through his story and, like, how he, you know, kind of scarred him, some of the things that happened. So, and it yeah. kind of informs this character because there are times where I think when I was playing Male Shepherd, I was kind of like, this guy's kind of boring, too, right? Like, he's just a dude with biotics. But when you actually kind of go all the way through his stuff, it's more of, at least on the fem- feminine femship side, like, he wants to have relationships, but he's afraid to know how far to push it and you kind of learn about this other girl that he had was in a situation with at brain camp and you're kind of like oh okay i guess that makes more sense now and so you have to kind of like he's like a nut right kind of have to crack him open and then even then he's a little timid because he's been through all this stuff so um so that's always it he's always afraid to push the relationship because he's always like i don't know if i should go any farther because we have this you know, obviously you're the captain and and whatnot. So he keeps going back to that alliance and the rank thing, but eventually you kind of get through all of that. But um, I think he's a sympathetic character. I think, you know, again, is he the best character in the game? I don't think so, but I mean, he's, I think a, a, He's a re- he's yeah. a relatable character as a human because whichever shepherd you choose, you're human, and he's a very relatable yes. human like counterpart. And you can kind of see this because they talk sure. about like, oh, it's been like 26 years since the end of the whatever war, right? And so you think like this has not been very long, right? I mean, I can remember right, 26 right. years ago. It didn't seem like that long ago, right? Um, right, yeah, and 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 like think about like how long ago Vietnam was, yeah. and there's still effects, and it's like way more than twenty. So like imagine if Vietnam was like twenty years ago, you know? So it, it's fresh. So yeah, I mean that's the thing is, you know, and he's lived through again like the beginnings of biotics with humans because before that, like it wasn't a thing, and they were trying to learn like, oh, can humans do this too? Um, and it didn't go real well <laughs> early on. So uh, yeah. I also thought it was interesting the first time again this is the first time playing as Fenshep is you have kind of like the not like romance options but like the intro to romance is in that first conversation you have with him like one of the options or it might not even be optional but like like there's a thing where uh, he's like oh like do you like do you like do you get to know like all your like crewmates like this and like one of the options is like no just you and like so I'm like oh, okay and like or like I said something along those lines and he said something like I'm going to need some time to process this, but yeah, me too. I'm like, Oh, so it's like the seed is there, you know, like, and it, it, it can, it can keep going if you want it to. So I, I didn't remember in my early playthroughs if, uh, uh, if like, if I talked to Ashley, if that same, you know, kind of like early, you know, uh, uh, romance. Uh, it is weird there. in this game. I guess we'll get to the other characters. Is that the humans like are really pretty fleshed out as far as characters go. Liara is pretty fleshed out. The other ones, 
Not really, <laughs> but so 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 Tali, um, who like I guess we'll jump to to Tali um, just real quick because uh, there's there's not a lot just in her in her in her intro there. So you meet Tali, um, so she's not optional because you have to. Um, uh, fist is uh, the fist mission is one you have to go through uh, to play the game. She's got your story. evidence against Saren that you need, so she's she has the recording. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She has the recording, so you go fight Fist, and then you have like just a couple of minutes to like get to her in like an alleyway. I don't know what happens if you fail that time, or if it's a wipe, or if uh, is it know, possible? They like, give you so uh, much time, you can't fail that. Yeah, I'm they give you a lot of time, yeah. But like if you. But if you just like stood there, it would probably be like, oh, you ran out of time, so you do it again. So you so you get to Tali, she, you know, you get the fight and the thing. She gives you the evidence. Next time you talk to her in the Normandy, you kind of talk about her people, and they all live, you know, like on the flotilla, and it's a very very communal existence from the way she um, explains it. Um, they talk about how like you know you have to like go out in the world and like bring back something of value that's gonna like make life better for uh, um, for the uh, quarians. Um, Pilgrimage. So uh, it's it seemed pretty interesting like early on with uh, you know I don't. I don't know if that uh, yeah the pilgrimage uh, exactly so it seemed like early on like there was there was like you know some meat on the bone there I don't know if that kind of dies off as we get further in I don't remember ever um, ever doing anything too much more with Tali in my previous so, playthroughs. Tali is one of my favorites I always have her on my team uh, they don't flesh her out quite as much as I'd like but they do flesh out the Quarians and the Geth and their relation a lot and I find that really interesting. Um, because the Quarians had a home planet before they were on the Fotilla, and they did the AI research that's now banned, and it created the Geth as like a workforce, uh, but they had it set up as like a like a VI, not an AI. But then when enough of them gathered in big enough groups, they kind of started learning from each other and getting smarter, and eventually <laughs> decided to fight back. And so they basically created this this army of sentient robots that like forced them off their home planet in a huge genocidal war and now they're like drifting through the galaxy on these like 300 year old ships um trying to yep. just survive and that's where those, like the communities came from and the pilgrimage and stuff and so they've got like this this guilt over the geth but now the geth's like a sentient being like it's like another race uh that doesn't kind of exist comfortably with the, with the citadel they're all kind of like you said behind the veil they just recently started uh coming forward for some reason but i, I love all that lore and i kind of relate it to tally even though tally herself like you said they could use a little bit more character yeah thankfully me two and three fixes these problems but the first one yeah like the aliens a lot of them get really short like oh here's your little bits and then meh <laughs> you know yeah yeah, and I, I do wonder because like there's so much put into like story and dialogue and like you know kind of like fleshing out like uh, like what the but like when you look at like the list of like our main missions here right so you have Eden Prime you go to the Citadel you have the Novaria Pharos Artemis Tau that we've talked about and then you have Vermeer and Ilos and are those the only required main story uh, points to finish the whole game? Yes. So it's yeah. So it's um it's uh for a game that uh, like is is you know touted as being so big and so like expansive like there's not a whole lot of like it just like story just mission, for an RPG uh, in general on. if you just want to beat it don't want a side quest it's like ten hours like on your first playthrough like it's not a long game I remember yeah. doing 
a second playthrough after I'd finished it, and like you could burn through it in like four or five hours when you know where you want to go. And even me with like right, maxing pretty dialogue. much everything and doing everything, I think I was still only like around thirty hours. Yeah, yeah. my run was that sounds about right. Twenty twenty two something like that, and and I got the achievement for getting a majority of the quests done. I didn't finish them all, but I got whatever yeah, I did to I, unlock that one. I did everything, and it was like thirty. So, yeah. but I mean, I think yeah. the thing though that they gets right is again we'll kind of talk about the other characters it doesn't spend as much time but it does a wonderful job establishing the universe and the backstory and so yeah. i can see why they invested more yeah. time in that because you really get to learn about the races yeah. and what's happening and then that sets you up for the future games where you can do more focus on the characters right yeah it certainly certainly makes you want uh, more and but the, yeah the universe is it's it's amazing um, so we, we talked about Jenkins uh, as much as you can. Uh, we talked or about Caden. Um, uh, yep, so we talked about Tali and Liara. So that leaves them. Um, if we want to go any deeper into Ashley. Ashley's the last yeah, required let's get character. Into Ashley. So. Yeah, so uh, so we got Ashley. And then uh, we should also talk about Garrus and Rex. Um, I, I will, from, from my point of view, just in, uh, it's very anecdotally, so I don't know about the internet and all that stuff, but just anecdotally, people I know, like my friends uh, in like kind of like other video game circles that I'm in, Garrus is like a, a number one, like always in their party. I have female friends who play this game who like Garrus is the only option for romance. Um, I remember uh, uh, Kaylee, uh, Kaylee, um, uh, Kelsey saying in the Discord, like, I'm not sure why everyone like loves Garrus so much. Like, he's not really like a like one of my regulars, um, and and I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I like Garrus, but like, I don't I don't love. I, I don't even I, love, I don't like, even like him. I, I like Caden more than I yeah. like Garrus, at least in this game. In the first mm. game, there is just not much to Garrus. I mean, he has this little Doctor Salion side quest thing, and then that's it. Mm. I mean, there's really nothing else to him. Yeah. And like he's I, I like, want, I, yeah. he's not a good character. Like, like in the term, in morality terms, like he's like, I, no. I want to be a cop, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do all these rules. I want to just be able to murder people and not do the paperwork <laughs> after. What? And like, oh, that's a bad cop. That's you don't want to be that kind of cop. It's very well, much and like if you're Saren, going renegade, yeah. like most of the options, you're right there with him. Like you're like, yeah, who needs the rules? <laughs> Screw that. You just do what you got to do. And he's like, yeah, that's right. Let, yeah. Let's do it. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember how much of it changes in two, but yeah, like so far, like because a lot of the characters you meet and you can talk to them and stuff, I haven't like found him on the Normandy to talk to him yet. But like you, you kind of meet. Yeah, he's usually okay. by so, the like, weapons lockers. Meet, I think you, you kind of like meet him in the Citadel, and he's like, "All right, like I'm coming with you." But you don't have to take him. You, but like I you haven't don't have really to take like, him. You can just right. say, "Uh, uh-uh, buddy." Yeah. He's... Yep. You can be a space and racist, then, uh, uh, and not but take it's him. like, yeah, <laughs> spacist. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, yeah, like, but yeah, I haven't done like the, the flesh out of Garrus yet. Um, so I, I do wonder if when we get to two, oh, like, big. does anything change yeah. at all? Do they, you know, so, um, so that'll be, uh, that'll be something that, uh, that comes up, but, uh, it, it sounds like none of us are really on the Garrus wagon. In, no, and in to go back one. to Ashley for a um, minute, I mean, I can go back to that same thing I just said. She's a space racist. I mean, racist. she just, that, yeah. that, when, when I was talking earlier about how I didn't notice things my first playthrough, like I definitely wasn't as sensitive to the things she was saying. And this time, like every second line out of her mouth, I'm like, Whoa, like (laughs) how did this not bother me? Like, 
10 years ago when I played this. Like, uh, like obviously, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world over the last three, five years in particular that have brought a lot of that to light. But it's so out there. I'm, I'm surprised I was that blind to it back then. Uh, and she's never in my party and I never talked to her. So I haven't heard like any of this stuff, but it's, I'd, I'd be curious to like, go look at some of the cutscenes and be like, what is she interjecting? That's so well, bad. seems like her background is like, Oh, she comes from this war family and her dad was discredited because of this battle. And she's really kind of, you know, Oh, now I can't, you know, my name of my family was discredited. And, and again, she's just a racist, and I, and that's the thing is, if you follow the renegade path in this game, you have a lot of choices to be a racist. I mean, you can totally just be all human space racist all you want. Seriously, um, even to the point where I was trying to play renegade just to see what that was like in this, and there was a lot of those choices. Like, I can't make this choice. Like, cause there's like a lot of the, like you know how like every big mission you have this round table with Liara and everything in there. There are the choices yeah. just to be like, basically, like, shut up, I don't trust you, you suck. Um, and mm. or and there's like a lot of those interactions you'll have, like the guy, like the other guy that's on the deck and stuff, where you could basically like, yeah, I don't trust those those stinking aliens at all on this ship. And mm. um, yeah, and she just has a lot of that you can do too. So yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that point in the game where you have to make a choice, but that was easy <laughs> for me. And then we got Rex, who's the other so, option. And then we have right, yeah. And then we got, and then we Save got Rex. The best um, for last. Thanks, Bill. I love, yeah. or not Rex. I absolutely love Rex. I love everything about him. I love how he looks. I love how he sounds. Uh, the voice actor who plays him, uh, uh, Stephen Barr. Um, is an absolute legend. And if you don't know who Stephen Barr is, just go to his IMDb page and you're like, throw, oh, I've seen a couple other things, things he did, that he does. That, that you're familiar with. Um, so uh, 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 besides like like games like Dragon Age and stuff like that, um, you guys seen uh, Atlantis, the Disney oh, film yeah, Atlantis? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's so he was uh, uh, the mole uh, <laughs> character. He okay. was like a whole bunch of like additional voices in that. Um, he's like a whole bunch of TV. Like he's, he's, he's one of those like that guys. And he does like, like TV acting, but like, as well as like some voice stuff, um, like drag, he was in dragon age, um, like all the way back to like, uh, like 90210, like back, like early nineties TV. So like, he's been around a bit, but I, I, and, uh, some transformers, uh, stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, he's kind of like one of these journeymen, uh, actors that like does some voice stuff, but Dude, uh, he is so so. The the character Rex is so good, and you never have this like, uh, uh, and like one like probably one of the coolest like big like moral like conflicts in the game, uh, the, the genophage and like where like your party stands on it, comes down to Rex and like you being able to like as Shepard being able to like handle uh, that situation and like you know whether or not. Uh, uh, whether or not you know like Ashley ends up shooting him or whether or not like you know uh, th- there's like a whole bunch of different ways that can play out but like if you're if your charm is high enough to like talk him out of it um, so uh, basically it's this like genetic uh, uh, like defect um, that uh, uh, that the uh, that the Krogans have let's say it's a bias just to like, expand on that the Solarians developed it yeah. and the Turians administered it. So, like, they yeah. teamed up to, like, make sure they couldn't 
reproduce as quickly as they do naturally. Right, because that's the short and thing. It's is like killing yeah. their species. The the alliance had to turn to the Krogan because of the Rachni. The Rachni were killing them. It was a big war, and they were overwhelming them. So they turned to these Krogans because they were like really tough and they reproduced like crazy. So they used they bandied together with the Krogans to kill the Rachni in the Rachni War. But then after that, again, the Krogans were reproducing they like were crazy the and they're warlike. And so they started causing trouble. So, yeah, so they they developed a bioweapon. Yeah. I, I think they right. said now so, it's like one in a thousand has has a successful birth. Like Other than that, it's like all stillbirths yeah. and like birth defects and stuff. Yeah, which is like the absolute worst because like it doesn't like 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 kill like stop the pregnancy. It just like causes like the stillbirth and like some of these like awful things to happen. And and well, I was gonna say, I mean, bleeding into me too a little bit. I mean, you get more about it, which I won't go forever into it. But the piece that you do learn though is that before the council went to the Krogans and kind of gave them technology and built them up, the birth rate that they had then because they didn't really have medicine and things is basically what it is after the genophage. And so the rationale behind it is, well, what we're really doing is just getting them back to their original birth rate pre our intervention. Yeah. Right. There's a cool uh, dialogue you can have with Rex, too. and I think it was in the Normandy where she's like, well... Why aren't the uh, it's been you've had this for years? Why aren't the uh, the Krogans working on a cure? He's like, have you ever met a Krogan scientist? He's like, they don't exist. <laughs> Which is funny because later you meet a Krogan scientist. But okay. <laughs> so so going a little further into spoiler territory. So Saren, uh, or, or you know possibly for if you're being technical, uh, sovereign through Saren. Um, develops a cure for the genophage in order to breed a krogan army uh and a fully indoctrinated krogan army yeah not normal right krogans. a fully sovereign indoctrinated yeah so these are like the dark troopers of uh, of the krogan army um and uh so during the, the the story mission um the plan is to like destroy the facility like wipe it uh, off the planet and then rex is like wait a minute the cure for the genophages in there like you're not doing this so that's like yeah. the point of conflict so yeah uh, you're, you're not just killing the, the genophage you're, you're killing the indoctrinated krogan army uh as well as a research facility on indoctrination as well like and you learn that yeah. you're trying to blow up all yeah of and when, on vermi real alert it's more about indoctrination than it is about the genophage cure that's really a side thing right yeah so uh i remember i don't think i was like good like i don't think i had the influence that i needed with rex to like stop it the first time so i'd like the only the only like uh like this isn't this playthrough because i'm not this far in this playthrough but like on my first playthrough years ago i got to that point i got to that point and like there's nothing i could do like uh i i forget what it was like there's a thing like if you tell ashley like be ready then 
like she can shoot him like without warning because like you're and she's like oh you told me to be ready and like i thought i was gonna shoot you so i shot him um but like i'm pretty sure that like i just lost rex the first time playing the game like either caden or ashley or someone like ends up shooting him so i remember that second or third playthrough that i was like i'm gonna do it this time i'm really gonna save it and i got my charm up or like whatever i had to do to get it and i remember like that scene is so tense because he pulls a gun and like you're got the gun it's like really really like oh no don't do this and then like you say the thing and there's because a lot of times in video games they don't use pauses effectively because like there's always got to be something going but this scene i remember like there being like a long pause and rex just being like no and like drops and these lowers his gun and it was such a tense like cool moment uh, Halo 4 is another example of like really, really long, meaningful pauses in cutscenes. If you haven't played that, it's like the same thing. But I remember like just like letting out that big sigh once I, not like like a, like a, my big deep breath came out once I, I kind of got through that step with uh, with Rex uh, uh, on that that Genophage conflict for sure. But yeah, love, 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 love Rex. He's the the and the voices so, and early on. Like when you when you have him like come and uh, you know uh, if he's with you like on the fist mission. I love that. Um, when he's you're so done, blunt. When you're done, when you're done talking to fist, he just shoots him, and right. then you can turn to him like, "What but, was well, all that?" Before and, you talk to him too, like when you're choosing your crew, he's like, "I want to let you know right now, I am going to kill fist." Like before you even yeah, like he tells you he's going to do that. And when you guys are talking about that being renegade, I was just like, "Let's kill him." I mean, there was a, we just all killed right. him, so. Yeah, so so like you get to Fist, Fist gives you the info, and then you're like, all right, like, and then you go to leave, and then Rex just shoots him, and then you're like, what was that? And he was like, uh, and he was like, Shadow Broker paid me to kill him. I don't leave jobs unfinished. See, that's funny in mine. <laughs> he, yeah, I told he, you he, I was gonna do he it. He explains again. He's like, that was my last job, though. So you know, I'm yours to command from here on. And see, yeah, on mine it was just yep. like, as soon as I was given the choice, to kill him. And so we just murdered him, and he's basically yeah. like, thanks, Shepard, and, you know, he does this whole thing. So that's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like when so, you're side-questing so with Rex, too. Like, all the ones that are more, uh, like, heavier combat, like, he always makes a comment. He's like, this is my kind of mission. Like, he's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm having a blast here. Like, every time he's got to, like, throw some quip out about it. And he's probably that's awesome. one of the best, if you ask me, companions to bring because he it's hard to take him down uh he can do damage uh and his powers are a decent mix so um that and i think the game going back to like the inventory stuff really punishes you if you don't have somebody in your party that has high electronic skills because you can't decrypt and open up all these uh like item things that are around there if your skill isn't high Uh, enough i see I went Sentinel, so I could do all oh, that. Okay, I see, never had an uh, issue with that. I was biotic, so I didn't have yeah, any of that. I, right, I'm I'm infiltrator, so I'm I'm decrypting stuff as well. And being infiltrator, like the sniper, is kind of like uh, where you get the extra some extra points. So I'm I'm sniping and uh, breaking into stuff. So, but yeah, it's uh, I forgot that if you can't do it yourself, you would have to have someone with you that has that, so you can like kind of. Yes, that's why I always took Tally and Rex because Rex was awesome at combat and tally had the high you know tech skills so she sucks she sucks at combat like i didn't even think to like equip my team for combat like it was just the ones that i liked the best are coming with me and we'll just suffer through however good we need to be well again if you're playing on insanity how it is like i I, really do that yeah i bet yeah yeah 
but yeah, typically I'll just pick with my heart. I'll yeah. like I'm not looking at because there is like a because when you pick your squad, there is a combat bar, there's like a tech bar, there's a biotic bar. So the first few times I'm doing it, and I'm like, oh wait, should I balance it a little bit? But then it comes down to like I'm playing on normal. I'm taking the guys that I think are cool. So so yeah. So um so we talked about most of the uh, I think we got all the crew members besides so Joker. We talked about Saren, we talked about we talked Joker. About, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, when I said crew, uh, yeah, so when I said crew, I meant, uh, like, companions. But, yeah, so the crew of the ship, so we can get to uh, Joker uh, voiced by the uh, awesome uh, Seth uh, Green uh, of, uh, 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 you know, many, many things, Robot Chicken and uh, the new um, the new Marvel uh, animated show on Hulu. Um, the... Uh, uh, so he's he's a, he's a pretty funny character. The the voice acting, even though he's a great voice actor, he's got a very distinct voice. I do feel like his performance is like among the most forced. Um, I don't know if this was like earlier on in, in his uh, in his voice acting career, but I do feel like like when he de- like he delivers lines and they're all very like. I think he'd already like, been uh, doing Family Guy for a few seasons before this, so should have been yeah. comfortable. I will say that like they didn't yeah, write a lot a... of material for him in the first game, but like in Emmy too. Mm-hmm. He's just always knocking it out of the park, so it's it's great. Okay, yeah. Well, cause, like early on, like uh, you know, he's like one of the first things that's spoken in the game because he's you know when he when you land from like that jump and he's like oh like just under fifteen hundred k and Nihilus is like oh like that's good you're capping me please and he's like I hate that guy. And he's like Caden's like Nihilus gave you a compliment you hate him and he's like. And just the way he delivers lines, he's like, you remember to zip up your fly when you come out of the bathroom. That's good. I just jumped <laughs> halfway across the universe and hit a pinhead. Like, it just, it, I don't know if it was the material or the delivery, but, like, a lot of his lines were delivered in a way where I was like, oh, maybe we should have taken a second take on that one. <laughs> but uh, he, he's, he's, a fun, he's a fun character, and we just got through the conversation with him where you find out that he's got this, like, Rolex disease. disease. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, when he's... He's like, oh, like, because uh, uh, he gets very defensive. Because he's like, oh, you're talking about my condition? Like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, and you're like, what are you sick? And he's like, oh, you didn't know? Oh, so he's like, yeah, I got. It. So he's basically Samuel L. Jackson's character from Glass, uh, where he has a, a brittle bones. Um, so like, you know, that's why he's in a position where he's seated, and he's like, you know, busted my ass getting through pilot school, and I earned those. You know, com- like he's he's definitely got the chip on the shoulder. Um, so, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a fun character and, uh, I know that he does, uh, kind of, uh, flesh out a bit more in, uh, in future games as well. So you guys both big Joker fans or? Yeah. Uh, I wish he I had more dialogue in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, early on, there's like a bunch of exposition and I don't remember how much more we'll, we'll get from him. And then you have everyone's favorite navigator. Presley. <laughs> Presley. Which I only know cause every time you leave the ship, it says, Navigator Presley has the the whatever. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Number one. Number one. You have it. I don't know. I like. I get. I kind of get the vibe that Presley might be Ashley's uncle. Yeah. He's a, he's also where, space like, racist. They, like, oh. Yes. Travel okay, in the but, same circles. But the one difference is like he's like I know when I'm working on it. When you when right. you're Paragon, right. he's talking to him. Sure. Like he he's like I have these feelings because of the first contact war. I was a part of that war like Turians I have trouble with but you know I like I know it's not all Turians so like he he's trying to better himself not like Ashley who just like right. leads into it every chance yes. she gets <laughs> and and our, and like so like you, I talked to him and he was like he's like oh yeah like uh, uh, he's like I don't like I don't like having these and he says like I don't like having like the aliens on board and you're like you have a problem with aliens and he was like well I just feel like this is a human problem like we can handle it like we don't need help and you have to tell him be like you know these 
why why wouldn't we take help? Let's take all of them. And he's like, oh, you're right, you know. So or so, you yeah, can tell does, him, uh, yeah, keep an eye on him, uh, and they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> all right, we'll, I'll, we'll keep an eye on him. And will he? Like, will you see him like as an NPC, like peeking <laughs> around the corners? He he's super weak though. He has like next to no dialogue. Once you once you go through it the first time, that's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, and then uh, uh, so as long as we're mentioning other NPC. Uh, uh, um, crew members you can speak to Dr. Yeah, Shockwas. <laughs> you don't really have much. Oh, and there's also yeah. engineer guy by the space drive. That yes. I don't even remember his name because he has yeah. no meaning. I, I, I just like him because uh, en- en- he's like, book? after you've talked to Ashley and Presley, who you get those like racist five from, he's like asking you, he's like, there's a Turian down or a Corian down here. And you're like, oh, there's another one on my ship. And he's like, no, I love her. She's smarter than all my staff. Like, he, he He's the only one who seems to be happy to have uh, help there if they're capable. That's great. So, uh, uh, and so yeah, so we uh, talked about Saren and Nihilus, who are uh, 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 Turians. Uh, Captain Anderson, who's uh, 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 you know gave up uh, the command of the Normandy to give it to, to Shepard to have a ship, which I don't know if we if I mentioned that before. Um, there's uh, Ambassador Udina, who's like really like really kind of a, a I don't want to say the word that I'm thinking. Does it start with an A and end with a hole? Because <laughs> that's Udina. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I, w- I was, I was going to go a little bit less than that. I was going to say a hard ah. So he's really like a hard blah guy who um like he's 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 always like snippy. He's always like he just has this even with the council. Like you wanted proof. There's your proof. Like he's just very like aggressive and forward, okay. and like I guess that's how he feels like he has to be in politics to get the job done. That's also how um, the former yeah. ambassador was. So she might have set an, mm-hmm. a precedent that he feels like he has to follow. Oh, just if you go the renegade route at the end of the game, and you find it, yeah, he just sucks. I mean, he's just always sucks. Yeah. Okay. But it, it is pretty satisfying at the end that you can get Anderson to go hack his computer and punch him in the face. Yes, that was fun. <laughs> pretty good. I did like pretty that good. part. So, so there's Udina. Um, and then uh, uh, so we, we talked about Sovereign uh, who, you know, it's like a, is... Uh, he, uh, everyone thinks he's a ship at first, but then you find out he's a Reaper and he's sentient later on. And you find out really quick. Right. right. Like right after Eden Prime suddenly, you know... He's talking reapers, 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 and everybody's just like everybody right. else is like, huh? Except like some for some reason yeah. Anderson so, is yeah. just like, yes, reapers, let's go. Yeah, and I don't, and honestly, I don't remember like so. Okay, like later, so that, later in the series, I can actually explain why he would be more inclined to that because uh, Kaylee, who's the main character in that prequel book, she worked with Doctor Kian, and so at the end of that book, she's the only person who is still alive who worked with someone who was familiar with Sovereign. Oh, okay. And, and her, her and Anderson were, were close for a short time. Because that's the whole thing that's kind of weird. Like, I mean, so, you know, Shepard is the only he, one like, that experiences the beacon and sees the message, and it's garbled. But, like, instantly, even though, like, in the message, there's no word Reapers or anything. Like, suddenly he's Reapers or she. Reapers, 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 Reapers. Yeah. And, like, again, like, Anderson just is like, yeah. yup, let's go. I, I think oh. he, him knowing that Saren's involved too, just like that's a light bulb for him. Like I know Saren, whatever he's doing is awful and we need to stop it immediately. Because everybody else is like, nah, the Geth are the big deal. I don't know what you're talking about. Geth. That's what we have to worry about. Yeah. yeah. And so we should mention right. too, I... the Geth, like 
think of sovereign as like a, a deity like they worship it and think it's like a it's gonna help them evolve into like a higher being if they follow this because it's like the most advanced mechanical life that they've ever encountered and my guess is that they were also indoctrinated but they don't really say that do they i yeah i don't know if they can indoctrinate machines or not i don't know if they got into that or if i missed it might be in the codex there somewhere yeah so so for sure the um uh the the story um early on because i remember in the second and third game obviously because when you know that that's the threat and you've already like you know dealt with uh, uh you know some of the reaper threat before but yeah i've i don't remember on my first playthroughs hearing and talking about the reapers so early in the game because it happens very early on but it's not this universally known threat throughout yeah, the galaxy nobody knows what the reapers are as a story, yeah. and they even say that they're like yeah. we have and to take then, your like, word on this stuff and yeah and, and and we'll get way more into it in two like with reapers and protheans and kind of like uh, uh the uh, uh uh the collectors and like all those other things there um but for for the time being we uh we kind of have like the stages set like the pieces are on the board you kind of make your way through uh uh you know we do the um uh, the novarian mission where you go after uh matriarch Benezia. you go to the so did um, you catch especially for chris the voice actress for Benezia? yeah she that's uh voice? um marina Sirtis. she's an it's, empath uh, right yeah, yeah from star trek next generation uh-huh yeah deanna yep. troy i because when i played it the first time i hadn't watched star trek yet I didn't get that. So this time I was like, oh, I know that. This is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this time, and when you fight her, like, she knows exactly how you're <laughs> and, like, what you're, how you're internalizing the, but, uh, the combat. But yeah, I didn't know the first playthrough either. So I, I, I looked it up uh, before I played this game and I was like, oh, I did not pick but up But, like, that the originally. big story beats of Novaria really are, again, you're really there for Benezia. But then you find out that, you know, obviously she's been indoctrinated by Saren and they're developing, they're breeding Rachni. Because uh, they thought, like, yeah, Rachni were wiped like a, out. They found a thousand-year-old right. queen's egg that is still viable that yeah. they were able to start to right. reproducing from. Right, and that's... Yeah. And it might be worth mentioning just real quick that in the cutscene after Eden Prime, when you see Saren, like, up on, uh, you know like far away from Eden Prime, like possibly on Sovereign, uh, Benezia is with him. And when she like reports to him, like, oh, like uh, they got away, like the human might have used the beacon. And he like loses his mind and like goes to like choke her. So it kind of gives you this impression of like, okay, like he's the one in charge <laughs> because she's like reporting news to him and he like almost murders her and he's like, fix this. Um, so yeah, but I really, that's one of the things I love about this game is um, like, and a lot of games, uh, like it'll be like okay like you're going to this place to do this and then you go there but it's like my favorite story beats are ones that are like uh but and then there's like the south park ones and then there's uh and therefore so it's like you go there to do this but this happens instead and you're like ooh, and therefore we must now go do this so it like actually keeps you engaged and keeps you moving so the rachni um is a really really cool important uh uh a part of uh, continuing the story on Novaria for uh, sure. I, I feel like I had the perfect team there too because I had uh, Rex and Liara in for that fight. So you have Liara to talk to Benezia, and then you've got Rex, who like the Krogan have that deep uh, relationship with the Rachni, and so it's like yeah. this moral quandary: like, do you you have this opportunity to exterminate this species or liberate them? 
and you've got like the most the closest character to that relationship on on your party was really it it makes the choice a little bit harder because he's like we don't want these back and you're like well this queen yeah doesn't seem like a violent (laughs) queen like she seems like she could start something good here so yeah so I, i like it just makes it a little gray yeah, you have the Benezia fight first, and it's a multi-staged fight. That fight is so annoying, because sometimes she just, like, freezes you at the wrong time, and you're like, I can't move, and then, like, five geth are shooting me until I'm dead, and I didn't have a chance to do anything. Yeah, you don't, you shouldn't come out of cover. I remember that ever. fight being really hard my first time through. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you have those stages of the fight, and she goes down, and you kind of hear about, you know, what because she fights the indoctrination. Right? Yeah, after the battle, yeah. Uh, and so she can tell you her story piece before it's too late. Uh, but so she, of course, like, <laughs> fights the, and tells you a little bit more about Saren and about, and she really is the one that teaches you about indoctrination, and that's a thing. Yeah. Um, and then, so you learn, like, oh, well, she's not really bad because she was just trying to get close to Saren to, you know, find out what was going on. But, of course, she got indoctrinated. And they flesh that a little more out on Pharos, too, when you save that second Asari. And she's like, as part of Benezi's team, we were, you know, we thought we could control ourselves longer than we could. And we didn't realize yeah. the indoctrination was happening until it already way happened. And so they really yeah. fleshed that piece out. But, and then, of course, yeah, you get the Rachni queen question, right? Basically save, kill, whatever. So I'll be curious what so you guys did. But. Being renegade, you, did you torch the Rachni? No, I saved the Rachni because I thought Renegade. that's the really... They're going to recap That's the everybody? No, the renegade choice is I want some more things to kill Reapers, right? And so to me, that's why I made that choice. I'm like, the fu- that's the thing I wanted to keep in mind about Renegade as I play through this. Like, I want to make all the choices and focus about killing the Reapers, right? So whatever choice makes sense to do that, I want my my shepherd laser focused on. I don't care about anything except killing Reapers. And so that's... That's really cool. That definitely changes that dynamic from where I thought you were going to go. That's so cool. that's why I was like, even though I think it was the Paragon choice, I was still like, yep. Let's save it because, again, I want more things to be killing Geth and Reapers. Mm-hmm. Cool. I yeah, I saved her too, Spirter. I have not gotten to it on this playthrough. Um, I'm 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 just starting Novaria on this current playthrough. So you, you got to kill her now. Ones, we both let her go. You're, yeah, too bad, buddy. Have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, uh, so um, so moving on from uh, Novaria. Um, if you've already done Artemis Tau and got uh, Tali, which you probably did, and you got Novaria, so uh, is Pharos your next stop? Yeah, yeah, we can probably for the story for the main story beats pretty quick. Yeah, and I can talk about the DLC one whenever, since Kelsey didn't get a chance to talk about that one. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Let's let's burn through Pharaoh really fast because it's not as important as yeah. Ones, and then it was kind of like to sure. me the lo- most lackluster story beat, but yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah I agree with that, but I still think the Therion? Is that what Thorian. Thorian, thank you. Uh was was just cool that, that there's like this another life form that exists that's very different. It's like they're saying it's like over fifty thousand years old and it perceives time very weirdly, so it could be older than that. And, and it's got kind of its own indoctrination technique, which is why it's important. Zaren's uh, interested in that. Um but yeah, like it takes over a little colony, you can 
save or not save the colony, depending what what route you want to go, which one's easier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the level design was really cool there, like on the skyways um, with the Geth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very interesting, and I liked uh, driving the Mako around up there, and you, you get out every once in a while, and there's little, little pathways to some equipment and stuff. And having to go back into like the exogeny building to uh save that woman's daughter and uh you can like do some other little missions in there get some extra money from a dude uh, who wants you like recover his data off his computer and stuff but you get to see kind of the exogeny one of the big corporations that's uh doing research there uh, as kind of kind of a terrible company most of the companies <laughs> they, are they show up on this game they show up later on a couple yeah. times and they're not any better yeah. very 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 Wayland corporation uh but it's cool how the thorian 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 my screen thorian again. that's really right to say thorian thorian uh it like can take a host and then like clone them and like spit them out <laughs> it's kind of neat and then when the host comes out uh you can like speak to the Thorian through the host and stuff too was really interesting. And here's my disappointment with it. A, the clone thing was just like the same as the Rachni. The Rachni like reanimated a dead creature to speak for it. And then here we've basically got the same thing. Uh, and they both did it with an assignment. Yeah, it's like, okay, dang it, we just did this. And then... Couldn't you done it with a Hanar or something? See, that would have been cool. right? Or an Elcor, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would have taken too long. Angry and violent. Yeah. I will come and kill you. <laughs> yeah, something. But anyway, uh, and the other thing is, you can't. You don't have a choice, right? There's the only choice you have is kill the Thorian. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's true. There's not really any the choice. There is the colonists. Do you want to mow down the colonists, or do you want to go through the effort of uh, saving them? But like the effort of saving them is so simple. Even like to me, I was like, well, I'll just save them because again, to me, like to my shepherd, that'd be useful. And, oh, I just use a different type of grenade. Okay. I mean, it was, like, not hard. It wasn't a challenge. It was pretty easy. Um, I don't know. I just felt like Pharos didn't really teach me much about the story. And the only thing it did was it gave you the cipher, which you needed to advance the story. Because you had to have the cipher to understand the Prothean beacon. And so that's all that you accomplished there. And that's the old. Um, that's one of the uh, uh, the the strikes against the mission for me is uh, oh, what's the word they call that thing? The in, MacGuffin. Like, movies MacGuffin. MacGuffin. Need, like, yep. The MacGuffin. Yeah. It's very much in uh, 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 Rise of Skywalker. Um, we need the MacGuffin <laughs> so that we can advance the story. Let's go get it real quick. <laughs> so. But yeah, for sure. It's it's and it's not. I don't think it's a mission. Like because when you talk about like. Even though Eden Prime is like short, um, it's it's like it's an important mission in, in the game. Novaria with Matriarch Beznet Benezia is really important. Vermeer is really important. Vermeer is like, like one of my favorites. So good. It's it's and uh, and a lot of like what I read about Mass Effect, just kind of like doing some prep. It's like there's so many. There's a uh, Vermeer is the best mission in the game. Um, and Vermeer is awesome. And just in doing a little research, um, it it turns out that Vermeer is the only location like uh like the mission that you start that you cannot get back on the normandy and yeah. leave until the mission's over like novaria you can leave and uh, yeah you know, some of the other yeah they tell you like the the 
it's hard to drop in to begin with and then there's all the the anti-air guns locking in the normandy that you have to kind of go take out so that they can even get to the the base you're trying to land at yep so you're trying to get so in vermeyer you're trying to get to this base um that uh that you're trying to destroy because of saren's work there with the genophage and uh with the indoctrination and, and you, and to, you got you know, a, land. a distress signal from the crew that's there like a spy crew and you couldn't yep. make it out they were looking for like big time reinforcements but you couldn't hear the message right. so the council's just like go take a look see what they yeah need. it's like this yeah. <laughs> solarian <laughs> infiltration group and you get there and they're like really you're it and he's like, we didn't know, yeah. we couldn't hear this you. This is you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where's the rest of you? Or what, it's like like uh, Saving Private Ryan, when like the squads goes up and it's like, uh, like you're five guys, like where's the rest of the squad? Or like, where's the battalion, right? And like, uh, it's just us. So forgive me if I'm rusty, because I have not played this section in my new playthrough yet, but I do remember Vermeer being like this lush kind of garden world uh, with some flowing water. Some cool I beaches. Remember... Yes, I remember sniper rifles being like a must for this area, so I'm curious to hear. Hey, you can do it with the pistol, did. man. Nice. <laughs> Most of it you just take down with the I just the remember there being a lot of long range right? stuff. Yeah. Oh, you, yes, yeah. that's true, because you just have the zoom in and you, the fire. You have to pop out like two times, I think, to like run and open a door, so you have to kill like a Geth Prime and a couple Geths to get to the unlock button. Yeah. But yeah, you can do most gotcha. of it in the Mako. I definitely remember, like, I definitely remember shooting the Mako, but, like, I think I just, I jumped out and I just sniped stuff because I was like, you know, I spent all this time, like, getting these sniper stuff, so, like, I, I remember doing tons of sniping. Um, so, we talked about it a little bit before, but when, uh, this is where the conflict happens between, uh, uh, Rex and the group where he realizes, like, wait, like, you're gonna destroy the cure for the genophage. And so you either have to like kill him or convince him that you know this is this is worth it. Um, so so Chris, on this playthrough, did the Renegade uh, uh, playthrough have any effect on your decision, like being like Reaper non Reaper, or were you just like because I, w- I would assume that you th- that you think like if you could have Rex as an ally, he's a good ally again. Yeah, and there's actually right? a Renegade path to that conversation that wins and keeps him, which is basically like, mm. look, you these are not. Your Krogan, right? These are these indoctrinated mm. creatures. They're not what you want, and we need to focus on this right. mission and getting Saren. And so you can kind of take that tack, and he'll back down. Gotcha. So you kind of like explain like these are abominations. Like you're not saving. Right. You're like these are just not okay. your Krogan, right? And this is not the answer for I your people because it's just indoctrination. Great. Yeah. Right. Like this wouldn't solve yeah. your problem at all. Right, and that's just a pure intimidate. Option it's not even like an intimidate because you don't even get like one of those red choices. You know, it's just it's just oh, picking really? like one okay. of the down yeah. paths that, and you just kind of like mm. lay it out to him, and he accepts it. Because um, cool. there's a lot of choices, like so when you're when talking I'm... renegade to Rex, and a lot of these things, he sees that point of view. Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of times he's just yeah. like about I don't care. Let's kill. Let's get this thing done. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the coolest thing about Vermeer for me, it, besides that rest part, because that is a very big highlight, is the conversation with Sovereign at the end, where you like break into Saren's secret lab, uh, where he's got direct contact to Sarah, or to Sovereign, and you get to kind of actually learn about the Reapers in a little bit more significant way for the first time, and and find out the ship's sentience and. Uh, what the indoctrination really means and 
that there's a, a bigger threat waiting beyond where we have any way to know where they are and like just really cool lore dump there right at the end of that mission before you take off yeah but you really, do really find really awesome. a Krogan scientist inside so I mean you're like oh there's no Krogan scientist oh wait a minute I just found one it's probably a biotic scientist <laughs> does all the things Krogans can't do right but it's kind of funny how that and there's like one also uh, an Asari you run into there that you have a choice of like letting her go or killing her because she's basically like I didn't know what I was signing up for yeah. yeah, they don't pay me enough for this. Right. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, that was actually one of those great Rex comments where, like, I told her, I'm like, we've set some bombs. Like, you've got about three minutes to get out of here. And she's like, oh, I'll never make it, and she starts running. And then Rex is like, I like your style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had the same. I don't know if you picked the renegade choice, but that was my. I, it wasn't easy on her. It wasn't like kill her, but it was basically like, look, you better start running was basically what it was yeah. yeah like i like i played mostly paragon but i was just like role-playing how i would do them so there was the odd renegade choice where like you Same. did the yep. shitty thing do i think you should die for it no like just run like get out of here kind of thing so yeah. yeah i think that was the renegade option there and and that's that's really how i would love to like love to play but there's always that part of my brain in there like uh like oh like am i you know am i going to be able to do a thing if i'm like not paragon enough later or something like that so that part is always in my most of the time it does not so that was nice for me because i had just maxed out my charm and saved rex from dying before going into there so then that worry was just gone i had my charm maxed out so i could do because because that's because that's the only decision i really like am concerned with so like i I probably would like once i get past that i would just like play it exactly or even on a future uh, playthrough we didn't talk about the other major decision you have to make on vermeyer i was i was gonna say yeah there's yeah so there's another it's not really a major decision (laughs) well there's there's it feels like it before you make it they're like all right like you need to send one of these people like you need to send them in and like they're not going to be like available like while you send them in so like not wanting to look forward and not wanting to like you know know what ramification that would have uh originally like uh you know way back when i was like all right like i'm gonna send someone in and like i might not ever see him again um so i sent in uh caden uh originally so you Um, went with the infiltration squad yes You don't have to guess who yeah. I sent. So I've, I've, been, I've not gotten. So yeah, <laughs> Ashley, get out of here. Well, I I sent her because it always just made sense to me. Like she's the the chief gunner. Like she's the commando. Send her with the commando team. Send the dorky biotic guy to do the bomb thing. I just felt like they fit those roles better. It had nothing to do with which one I thought was in more danger. I I don't remember back to the very first time yeah, I, I did it. Um, it's been too long. But knowing what I know, though, I'm like, whatever, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then, the, yeah, you have to set the bomb. Uh, and then Saren attacks, right? And you have to fend off Saren. And on, on sanity level, that's a, it's a tough fight. They throw a lot at you. But eventually you weaken Saren enough, and then he's, you know, out of here. But he does this little exposition piece, though. That's when he starts to tell you about why. Yeah, you, you finally get to, like, talk to him face-to-face. And he yeah. starts really explaining like, why he's doing what he's doing. Like, he's not just doing it because he's completely... At least he doesn't believe he's completely indoctrinated. He believes that... He doesn't think he's indoctrinated at all. Well, I think he knows. He, like, says kind of what the deal is. But he's like, I'm allowed to keep who I am because I'm useful. Uh, right? Like, I am cooperating, and you should join me, and we should cooperate, because if we cooperate, they won't wipe us out. 
right, will be useful to them, and the Reapers will want to keep us around, which we all know is garbage. But, I mean, he believes it, and that's why he's gone down the path. Mm -hmm. And he thinks, as long as I'm useful, he won't fully indoctrinate me, and I'll still be able to make choices. Although, at the end, you know, we'll talk about that. But, um... So we run him off, and then, yeah, you get that thing like, oh, we can only save one! You know, do we... Who do we go? Because you, like, have to... Like, the fire team is under fire. It's like, okay, I'm coming. Let's go. And then you get to this point where it's like, oh, you know, you gotta pick one, right? Either somebody's gonna stay with the bomb and detonate it and you're gonna let them die, or um, you know, the fire team. You know, whatever. Um, And so, yeah. I mean, that was pretty easy for me. I had left Caden with the bomb. I went back, saved Caden from the bomb. He gets pretty beat up uh, as a result of all of it. I guess that's where the Saren fight took place. I don't know if you go to the other thing, yeah. if there's a Saren fight takes place there or not. Uh, yeah, I'm curious too. Do you remember from any of your previous playthroughs, if you do go to the other fight, do you get to save the Salarians I, as well? Or is it just well, I mean, who you sent to? Through all my choices, I did save the Salarians. So, like, there's other... There's oh. other pieces, like, as you're going into the thing, you can, like, disable things and, like... Yeah, I thought I nailed all that stuff, and I thought <laughs> I, I... Maybe I missed something then, because I thought I did all that stuff. Because, yeah, if you do it right, once you leave Vermeer, that um, Solarian squad is in the... Down there with Rex and Garrus. Um, and you can talk with them. Hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I must have missed them. But yeah, I did not go to rescue the fire team. I, I stayed with the bomb. Um, and Ashley, you know, as my, my parting words, I told her to die fighting. So <laughs> I was fine with that. Uh, I know it's supposed to be more of, I think, an emotional choice. But really, given who the characters are, I don't think so. I would have had a harder time if it was like Tally or something. But I mean, you're yeah. like, I don't whatever bye <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk way more about it in me too but i you know i try not to ever look forward or like you know look up guides or anything but like knowing that my prog my two stuff was going to carry over to three i was like i'm not gonna lose someone in this final fight like because like i you know like stepped on a wrong block or like didn't do like a certain thing so like i looked up exactly how to keep everybody you... in that final sequence oh and me too. too yeah but then that in, in vermeer you can't yeah. like one of them's gonna die um... right exactly yeah in vermeer yeah there that it, there's there's a choice and it's gonna happen i didn't know you um, could save everyone through me mm-hmm. too that was a real rough final mission for me that's yeah. why it kind of sticks in my mind because i lost like a couple of guys yeah. that were important to yeah. me yeah, that's it's it, it, it's I I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. I, I once I I hype month once I psych myself up for this next playthrough, there's a chance that I'll just go through and like whatever happens happens. But like that would be really really rough uh, if if I lose the wrong people. So we'll see how that, how that goes. So so after uh, so after the dust settles at Vermeer, we've got one more major location to go to. But before yeah, Chris you go was going to talk about the DLC though. I'm curious about that. I, yep. So before you go there, so you got that DLC mission you can do, and also any other side questing or anything else. Because once you start the mission, you're you're there until the credits roll. So if you want to do the uh, DLC mission, and then we'll kind of roll into any noteworthy side quests that you thought were great before going into uh, yeah. Harvest. So um, the uh, bring down the sky DLC, um, which Kelsey, you know, didn't have the, 
the story beat is there's this um, world, and I don't even remember what the name of the world is. I guess it's not really that terribly important. But there is this big asteroid that was going to be mined, and the idea was they put these big rockets on this mine to basically park it in orbit around this planet so it would be easy to mine. You know, they just fly it there. And this, uh, you know, asteroid is huge, just really gigantic. It's like mini planet sized. And so you go there, and what's happened is the Batarians have basically taken over, and they're going to ram this asteroid into the planet and kill everybody. Um, so obviously you're sent there to keep that from happening. And, um, it's not a terribly long mission. It's again, it's another planet. So you drive around in the Mako, there's stuff to shoot. There's a lot of turrets and things, but you have to kind of go through several little story beats that are there. You have to find kind of the people that were involved. Most of the miners have been killed, but there's a few of them that, um, you can save, uh, throughout all of this and then obviously there's like this Batarian squad and kind of what they why they're there and you know uh, you have to stop them from ramming this asteroid into this planet um, as far as like consequential to the story is it? I mean no it's weird to be honest because I mean is it important to save a bunch of lives? yeah does it have anything to do with reapers or anything else? no not really um it's just, hey, there's an asteroid. We're going to crash into a planet. I mean, you, you do get an opportunity to learn more about Batarians. I was just going to say, like, they're barely mentioned in the first game. Uh, if I didn't read that novel going in, like, th- there's a couple of Batarians that play a huge part in the novel. Like, that's way more than you get in, in the whole of Mass Effect. Yeah, I think there's one big side quest that has a Batarian bad guy in the regular game, but that's basically it. Um other than like cannon fodder in a few places. Uh, but yes, this one you do um, get to learn a little bit more about Batarians and, you know, they don't like humans a whole lot because they kind of feel like they've taken their place um, with the alien races. Yeah, like jump the queue for their place in the Citadel. And right, like yeah. we were up next and then you guys showed up. To it. But a lot of alien races have it. Like the Volus have that same opinion too, right? The Volus definitely. Yeah, there's that one ambassador that just flat out says that right near the, the start yeah. there. So, um, honestly, you go through it. Obviously, you disarm these rockets so they can't fly it into the thing. And then you go uh, to the end and defeat the Batarians. And I, mean, I don't even know if I need to spend a whole lot more time than that. It's... I mean, is it interesting? Yeah. Is it another mission? Yeah. Um, does it give you access to some things? Y- yeah. So what's the like reward? Is there like a big payout for completing it? So I'm trying to remember, and I think at the end of it, there's this guy, and you can like ask him for. He like wants to reward you, and you can ask him for something, and essentially it gives you like this really good. Um, uh, you know, I can't remember what what are the tech things called? Um, the Omni Tool. Yes, he's like Omni Tool. I, I think there's there. some other things you'd ask for. Be like, oh, can I have your Omni Tool? Because it's like really one of the best. And he's like, yeah, sure. Um, gives you his Omni Tool. So it's some little fleshed out story. It's kind of interesting. You get some stuff, but 
it's you can tell it's very add-on and it's really meant to be you can do it at any point in the story that you want because it really doesn't affect anything else as far as like dlc for mass effect games goes it's it's easily the weakest for me well besides pinnacle station which isn't around anymore but that was pinnacle station was a throwaway but this one i mean you're not missing anything out kelsey i'm going to tell you that i think you're going to miss out quite a bit by not doing the me2 and me3 deal me2 not as much me3 you're gonna miss out a lot a A lot lot of story stuff by not doing that so i'll let you decide what you want to do with that but i will tell you that you're gonna miss a big chunk i'm i'm already locked into my playthrough i got my character and my choices so yeah Uh, if i would have realized that in advance I, i do have it on ps3 with the the legendary edition so i could have got some of the dlc ma3 stuff. dlc's not on there no it's just one yeah. and two yeah i would have missed out either way then yeah i'd say i just i can't justify throwing down the money on the remake right now like i, I like you i know you guys know that games went up a little bit there they're 90 bucks here for a brand new game right I, now. I get like, it. Yeah. that's mm. that's too much for me yeah I saw it on the uh, obviously this you know in the U.S. but I saw it on Slick deals for I think like forty bucks. I don't know, but still there's you know with with shipping up there, it's uh, yeah I don't know what it would be to get you a copy up there, but yeah it's uh, I, like I will definitely I was, get one down the road. I'm just gonna wait till it's twenty mm-hmm. bucks next year kind of thing. Right, right. Don't let the uh, developers of Days Gone hear you say that though. I still haven't even picked that up for ten bucks. You, you already have it free on your PS5. <laughs> If you get PSN, but uh, I don't know. That's not free. Then you get a PSN. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, technically it is because you could probably do like a month and get it the, all. But whatever. The stay-at-home stuff's actually free. Like they give you the Horizon and uh, Astro. I, I think all the PS5 stuff Horizon is too. I think you just have to have PSN to activate it. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's bring down the sky. I mean, it is what it is. It's a one-shot deal, and right. yeah. I don't feel like I'm missing nope. out on this game. You can make me feel like I'm missing out. When we I think you're going to be, though. with how yeah, invested I, in the story yeah, you seem I, to be by reading the book and everything, I think you're... Uh, I, I don't want to... Sp- I, I have another novel as well that takes place after 2, so I might try and read that in between 2 and 3 as well. Let me just say, in ME3, there is a DLC that gives you a huge chunk of story about the Reaper's background. Huge. It's terrible. Yeah, you learn about their origin. And and then, and and there's also like a really really, really fan servicey uh, portion of DLC that just gives you like. Does it involve Rex? Uh, it just gives you like a holiday party <laughs> that you can just like talk with everybody. <laughs> it was it's complete fan service. Like get every single person that you care or don't care about in the game and put them in a room and just have a party and dance around and drink with them. <laughs> like that's the DLC. It was amazing. It is it you, like literally every character so throughout all three games. They're just yeah. like we're having a house party. Um, but yeah, I'm. Yep. I, <laughs> Yeah, I think if nothing else, if you're not totally committed to not doing it, you should at least, when we do ME3, watch video of those story segments, because I think you'd care a lot about that. Okay. I'll have to like cool. get you to make me a list of the, the ones worth checking out. I think all the ME3 DLC is worth checking out. Um, ME2 is only like bonus-like characters, so if you don't do them, you won't have certain characters... Which kind of sucks because some of them are not bad, but 
But I mean, it's kind of is what it is. There's there's a couple characters that you can only get with the DLC. I will. Yeah. I, I always play buns. Because two and three, I had the uh, collector editions, and I don't remember way back when if those big metal box editions had like everything included. Um, but uh, I, I remember having you know access to the Cerberus network, which gave you you know some extra stuff, and I remember um, like uh, Layer of the Shadow Broker, and like I, I remember playing through every bit of Mass Effect content that was like made available to me or like that I was aware of, but I don't. I don't except for Shadow Broker. I don't remember a lot of them by name. I just remember like having all the content. Yeah, and playing that's it that's all. true too. You won't have um, Liara but, uh, and Amy too, Kelsey. So if you don't have DLC, this so weird decision. Yeah. So before going into Ilos, are there any uh, side quests or side missions or anything else besides? Because uh, we we can't go back once noteworthy? we get there, so we gotta yeah finish yeah do the cleanup <laughs> once, now. Once you, once so end. one of them I wanted to talk about just at a high level because there are several that are involved with it is the introduction of Cerberus and what they're all about. Sure. So obviously Cerberus is huge in ME two, but in ME one they really play like a very small role. They seem like a like fanatic cult kind of thing like yeah you have like two or three missions with that involve cerberus and one of them i think they have some rachni they're experimenting yeah they're on. very much human only right human first kind of is their thing and mm-hmm. ashley's people. yeah right there you go uh, but you don't have a lot of choice or anything it's really much learning about who they are i mean i think there's some choices that on one of them basically whether you kill people or or let them live but like yeah there's like the one where they have yeah they're they have somehow gotten rachni um which again <laughs> like from the other mission you're like wait a minute wasn't all the rachni wiped out nope suddenly apparently they have them too um they don't ever explain why my my assumption i think because I, I don't think they flat out said i think they were taken from Novaria and they were they could no longer communicate with the queen yes. so they were just berserk they couldn't control them right yeah they talk about that part but i mean as far as like how they don't tell you how they got so you have to assume i guess that but yeah yeah um but yeah i mean Cerberus is that you get their introduction there they kind of seem like a terrorist kind of organization um you have several alliance missions where they're basically like "Eh, you gotta go take these guys out because they're causing causing trouble because they come from, uh, which we didn't mention either, is like the the head honcho guy uh, that you only hear on the radio in Mass Effect One. Um, the Alliance coming, the Alliance oh, yeah. leader, yes, Admiral Hackett, Hackett. something yep. like that. Yeah, you only Admiral ever hear Hackett. him on the radio. Later games, you get to meet Hackett, but uh, he's, got a, he's got a nice he's voice. A, he's a famous voice. actor. Oh, yeah. you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you recognize it? No, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, you didn't? Oh. I love Admiral Hackett's voice actor. He's, uh, I'll give you a hint. He was in another series with Aliens. Oh, is and it, that was also the name of the movie. Is it Lance Hendrickson? It is Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> okay. <It's> Admiral Hackett. <laughs> I did not pick up on that. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. He's a great, great voice, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the only side quest I really wanted to bring up before we go to Ilos, uh, I think they were just linked directly to my choice of uh, origin because I went Soul Survivor. So there was one where you find uh, another survivor from this event. Like you find out you're not the sole survivor and they are holding these scientists hostage because you find out that the reason the event that wiped out most of the people you were with was like a science project that you were unwittingly part of where they were like experimenting on thresher moths and the effects they had on on people and stuff uh so you find the soldier that's definitely got ptsd is dealing with and he's found these scientists and i went to that mission early enough that i didn't have the the charm i needed to really talk him down so he ends up murdering the scientists and then saying like all the news feeds say you're the sole survivor who am i to lie and then he shoots himself too to finish that mission off was it was kind of depressing but made sense uh and then there's one more woman that uh you go back to the citadel and they call you back to the dock and they're like someone needs to talk to this this woman she's from a this that's where the, your sole survivor event was and so you find out that all these batarians came down and like took slaves of as many as they could and killed the rest and so this woman's been in in Batarian captivity for I think 13 years she said and you gotta you can talk her down or she will kill herself so you've got to be really careful because you've got to take a step forward in between conversations um, but not too many too quickly or she'll get too skittish so you've got to try and relate to her and get her to talk about what happened so she can kind of start processing it and so you can hear her talking about like her parents did something to try and protect her and the Batarians didn't like that and she just has these images of her dad's like flesh melting while they were torturing him and like it's super dark and she's like obviously talking about she's like talking about herself in the third person for most of it um, and then you can kind of get her talking about it in the first person near the end and then you know that's time where you can get close enough to her to offer her a sedative and if you want to go renegade you can like force the sedative in her or if you want to be paragon you can try and convince her to take it and then uh the the guard like is amazing the guy who like called you the docs like he's like that's like this is great like you can take her to some counselors now and like really get her help like i didn't want to escalate this and i wanted it to be you know i wanted her to be safe and he's like i was willing to wait as long as it took to like make sure she was calm before we tried to get in there and so it was really cool to see some mental health issues kind of tackled well back then. Yeah. Mm. And I'm guessing there probably was some side missions tied to my background, but I guess I didn't realize that they may have been like special just to each person's background, the story that you chose. So, cause everybody talked about that like constantly, you know, for me is, Oh, you were in the whatever, you know, uh, war battle of whatever. And I'm like, Okay, sure, I was. Yeah, <laughs> right. like, yeah and? If you, if you right, say so, buy me a drink. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and the only one I would just off... I mean, I guess there's a couple, but... Like, there's um, the one where you're just walking around and this lady's like, Hey, come here for a minute. And you're like, oh, what's up? She's like, ah, you know, I've got these other guys that are, you know, these crooks, and I kind of want you to take them out for me. And... 
you know, you can kind of plumb the depths of like, oh, wait a minute, won't, you know, won't that really just, like, leave you in charge of all of this and whatnot? Um, <clears throat> but you can accept it. And so, yeah, so I went out and killed, you know, these other crime boss guys. And some of them are really pretty angry about the whole thing and, like, accuse you of all this stuff. But <laughs> so I did all that and you go back and then eventually, you know, you, you have this choice like, oh, because well, yeah, she plans to. Like, she lied to you. Like, like yeah, I know. I'm going to take over now. And you can obviously talk to her and make her not do that and whatnot. So the only reason I bring it up is it was just like another side quest, I guess. But, um, like, early on in Mass Effect 2, you meet her again. So, you know, you do get a follow-up of whatever you chose. Is she no, a sorry? She's just a, a older woman. Okay. I'm mixing it up with a different yeah. mission. And... Uh, so other than that, there's like this one goofy one. Oh, I guess two goofy ones I'll mention. Well, maybe three. Okay, uh, they're all they're on the citadel, but they're short. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're real short. They're on the citadel, like really couple <laughs> short ones. Like one is what's what's his name? Like your biggest fan? Like oh, okay, okay. I will I will be quiet. You can have though. that one in a minute. Um, there is the gambler guy, right? That wants to hack the gambling machines. I don't know what you guys did, yeah, but um, I, I, helped I helped him out. out, and I kept his little hacking device. <laughs> I yeah, I, I helped him out, and then I yeah, I smashed it or something. No, I kept it, it so I could yeah. keep gambling. But um, <laughs> and then there's like the the rogue computer that's become sentient that has placed the bombs. Right? I like that one, yeah. And so uh, you have to go track it down. Yeah, he becomes a vending machine <laughs> in Cyberpunk. Kind of. It, this is the Brendan of Mass Effect. Yep. Um, and so you have to, like, take it out. I don't think there's any way you can save it. Maybe you can talk it down. I don't know. I I was, like, full Paragon, oh, and okay. I couldn't figure out a way. I had to, like, deactivate it. My whole thing was, like, whatever, I'm just going to blow you up. So it's, uh, and then there's the Preachy Hanar. I forgot about the Preachy Hanar on the Citadel, right? Like yeah. That was a real short one, but it was interesting to have you like in between that dynamic between the you know the CSEC, uh and like like he's got he doesn't have a permit and it's like mm, is that really that so did you guys you know? work for the the preachy Hanar or did you work for the ZSEC guy? I, I bought him the permit. Yeah, I oh really? Permit too. See, I just like told the, the CSEC guy yep. off. I didn't have to pay for the permit. Mm. Eventually, I'm, I keep you keep talking to my. Like, I had all really that money from it? not buying equipment. I could have bought a bunch yeah. of permits. Yeah, you re- you rent yeah, so you renegated the C-Sec guy. Like, aren't you just gotcha. wasting your time here? Like this idiot, he's just blabbering. Why is he? Who is he caring? Right. right? And he's like, eventually, like, yeah, whatever. I guess it's stupid. And so he just stays there the rest of the game preaching. Yeah. But um, sorry, but go ahead, take 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 the. Oh, I remember his name now. So, no, yeah. okay. so, so just a couple. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so just a couple quick ones uh, that I've gone through so far in this this playthrough because I haven't uh, you know really done anything uh, too much after it. Uh, biggest fan sticks out to me as just a weird one because like you you're 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 still at the point where you're just kind of exploring the citadel, and every time I think like. You know, like, why does someone? Why do people know me? Like, you, 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 everyone you meet, like, oh, you're the hero from Akuz or whatever, or like, oh, like you're Commander Shepard. You're like the first, you know, candidate for first human inspector. Every time I think, like, why do people know me? And then the more I meet people, I'm like, oh, like people know me because you know, like, of these stories, no big deal and everything. But like, so he he's like, oh, you know, like I'm your biggest fan. Like, uh, can you just sign an autograph? And I remember in previous playthroughs being like, ah, because like me personally, I'm not really an autograph person. If I meet like a you know 
a, a hockey player that I really like or like someone that I've seen in movies, um, you know, pre-COVID times, I'm happy to get a handshake. You know, like, hey, like big fan or love the way you play the game or like big fan of this movie. Really nice to meet you. I don't even need a picture because like I know what I look like. I don't need to be reminded of it. Um, and like I know what they look like, you know, like and I don't need a little piece of paper that they wrote to me. I'm just Photoshopped that myself person. at home. Yeah, just do that later. So um, I remember originally being like, oh, like I'm not really an autograph person. And he was like super offended by it, like really taken back to the point where like, oh, man, he's going to stand me now and it's going to be like the worst thing. So this playthrough, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, like whatever. And I wrote it to him and I handed it to him and he's like, oh, cool, thanks. See you later. And just like walks away. So I was like, is that is that as easy as that just like is he out of my hair forever so i don't actually know if there's going to be a ramification but i remember from a p- previous playthrough man he becomes a crazy person when you don't give him the autograph yeah his name's Con- so, uh, i remember is conrad verner you guys his name conrad verner he's a yeah, recurring is character he has a long story arc <laughs> through the whole series uh this time around i did like what you said i was like i'm just pacifying him because that's kind of the way i look at it is like sure whatever uh, go out of my way so you want to uh, you want to autograph whatever yep. it is uh eventually like there is like three or four interactions with him before you wrap up the mass effect one one and eventually he gets to the point where like because he's like man i want to i want to be help and i want to do that and you eventually like at least for me i had to talk about like i could really just use your help if you'd stay home right and just like stay home (laughs) be safe and you know be a champion for the cause from home um so kelsey did you do the whole conrad Uh, i just did the first autograph thing and i like he was always in my quest log so i'm like where the hell is he again he's always remember where to trigger the next part he's so (laughs) oh he's always by the markets so you there's like three times you're right that's what i thought i went back to I went back to the same spot. He was not there in my game. And, like, up to the end, I checked it two or three times every time I went back to the Citadel. Oh, okay. Uh, but the first time I played, like, I went through all the arcs where he got crazier and crazier. But, yeah, this time I just could not get him to Oh, reappear. okay. <laughs> Couldn't get the, the total re-crazy. But, yeah, I, I will report next time, uh, uh, you know, how those in- future interactions may go. And the other one I wanted to mention, which is right there in the exact same area in the Citadel, uh, <laughs> is Emily Wong. Um, so she's the reporter who like, just like wants the inside scoop. She wants the story and she like wants to be taken seriously. She's a real journalist. And I don't remember, I remember her from the, the first, you know, play three years ago. I don't know if her outfit was redone for legendary. Like I'd have to go back and look, but it just struck me as odd when like, she was like, Oh, can you help me out? And you're like, like, well, like, what, what exactly do you want? Like, oh, I just want information. Just want, you know, the story, whatever. And so she's talking to you like I'm this like investigative journalist and like I want to be taken seriously. I want to do the work. I want to do this. And I'm looking at her and her breasts are falling out of her outfit. And I'm like, so you're an investigative journalist trying to be taken serious. And it's not just like exposed, like the under parts there, the side part. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look at your face, but like I can't do it right now. So I just thought it was interesting that this investigative journalist was like completely out there <laughs> and i was like all right i'll take your card if anything comes up i'll talk to you later and now i like i really want to go back to the first game and see like what she looked like because she really struck me as like this didn't look like uh, a journalist in this game must be yeah. yeah like uh oh it was very fifth element in that way yeah. <laughs> just everything just kind of how yeah it could that's be funny eventually we'll talk so. about it but like miranda and emmy too i mean you're like 
Come yes. on, man. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. In this one, yeah. Or what was it? What was the what was the Metal Gear game? Was it uh, which one was it? Was it five? Where the woman oh, like quiet. couldn't wear clothes. Yeah, quiet. Yep. Five. She like couldn't wear. She couldn't have like stuff touching her skin because of so, yeah. How she right, I guess that was. <laughs> so I'm curious. I have never played a Metal Gear game, and I know that much. From so did you did you do the interviews with her, <laughs> Kelsey? I did. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem looking at her face. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're 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 a strong strong willed man. Did you uh, you know you know what I, no one's mentioned so far? No one's mentioned that this is my favorite shop in the Citadel yet. Oh, you can't. Yeah, it doesn't come until two. Okay. okay. I did not. I did not. I, I didn't spend any money at any shops. I don't need. I don't hear that stuff. <laughs> Those specter weapons are so good, though. I would say, family, just save your money, buy specter weapons, mm-hmm. um, and you can buy two sets of them. You can buy when you buy the first set, you buy it from the the specter guy, and then you the guy on your ship will sell you another set, and that's all you need because he'll sell you one set that's like a level seven, and at the very end of the game, he'll sell you another set that's level ten. That's all you need. For the whole freaking game, is just those weapons. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's probably most of the side missions. I mean, there'd be some more, but cool. Yeah. Good. Good for side stuff. So, uh, so again, with uh, having not gone through Ilos, you know, recently, because I haven't gone through in this game, uh, Chris, do you want to just take us briefly through the story beats of Ilos and kind of where this sets us up for ME two? With uh, as far as uh, um, you know, the the Saren, uh, the end yeah, of the Saren. Yeah, so Ilos is you find that that's where the conduit is because you start to talk all about finding the conduit. What's the conduit? And so you finally learn, oh, the conduit is on Ilos. You still don't kind of know what the conduit is, but you know that's the again that's the MacGuffin that you have to go after now. And um, what you find out when you get to Ilos is essentially this was a Prothean planet um and i don't know if it's necessarily the center of their civilization but it's, it was a big it was, it was a big no no it, it was like a secret oh that's one. right that's, that's where all their scientists it. were yeah it's it's not a that's central right. one. it's where yeah. there's it was like an emergency escape planet. there were all these scientists that were there so yeah so they <laughs> the the uh, protheans had learned obviously about the um the reapers and you kind of learn uh, some things about that. That's where essentially you learn like, Oh, the Citadel's a trap. Right. And yeah, the, the conversation you have with that Prothean VI might be my favorite part of the whole game. Like there's so much cool information thrown at you there that just fills in mm-hmm. every blank you've had the whole game. Like I just, I guess it. we forgot to mention too, at the end of uh Vermeer, you do find another beacon that fills in the rest of the missing pieces. Yeah, yeah. And that's what gets you to yeah. where the conduit is. Uh, yeah, you find out with the Mu Relay, which sends you to Ilos. Yeah. And the 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 council says, like, don't worry about this. Like, you, you we're not sending any ships. You don't need to do anything. Like, Saren has... They, they think he's not a threat anymore. Um, nobody believes you, so you go here on your own with no yeah. reinforcements. Which I'll just mention, and I've told these guys, I enjoyed hanging up on the council every chance that i got so like every single time they went anti-human click you know and it's just funny you know you'll just like oops joker we lost the connection <laughs> and it was like i got you commander 
Uh, or or you'll just click the option and you'll hear Joker like, oh no, we seem to have had a communication failure. Um, but like every time you cl- they call back, they're like, don't you dare hang up on us again. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they have to like ring ring. It's, it's kind of funny after a while. Because like they start every time, Did you, I can't yeah. believe you. And you're like, just wait. But uh, anyway, the and it has no repercussions. So if you want to, like, if you're playing this, it doesn't matter. Yep. It, you can. It doesn't matter at all. Right. So um, anyway, so you're going on ILOS and you you're finding like okay, like you go in. First off, like Saren's already there. Like he's beat you to the punch, and the Geth are there. And you're like, uh oh, uh, we got to beat him to the conduit. And the it's really hard to get where you need to be. And it's like. You know, well, we only have this space that's like 20 meters long to get the, the, we have to get in there. And they're like, well, I, and Joker's like, I can do it. And I can get the Mako in there or whatever. And so obviously it's like, I love that they're all yelling at Presley, like, find another spot. He's like, there are no other spots way. I and, and then eventually Joker's just like, I can do it. Um, so of course he does it. But you have to go like, like Saren goes in and locks the door behind him. So the first thing is you have to go through battle all this stuff so you can open the door. And you do learn a few things uh, at that point in time. You're like, oh, okay, this is a Prothean place and some of that stuff. And then once you get in there, that's when you're like starting to drive through and your characters, whoever you got with us, will mention like, what the heck is this place? What are all these things on the walls? And it's big, right? It's really big. And then eventually you get to this point where you can't do anything but get out. You have to go in and you talk to this Prothean VI. And the only way you can understand it is you have the cipher and everything, right? But at a certain point, they're like, it talks to everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, like that's what... He says he's been like watching you and learning how you speak as you've been going through their ruins. And and he can speak English by the time. And... uh, which they never talk about why every race can speak English. I, I thought that on the that Citadel. The codex? I like, kind of. Yeah, if there's like a translation device, or you know that, or like a you know that you have on yourself. But I've, I've thought that you know when you you're talking to Hanar or talking to you know like Turians or whatever, like everyone just speaks English. There's no, I can't remember any speech that was gibberish that you had. I to always just um, assumed it was like Star Trek, where there's a universal translator on for, that everybody has. Um, cause that's the only thing that would make any sense. But, um, yeah, so you start talking to the VI and the VI lays it all out. It's like, basically, yeah, we were the Protheans. We were here. They were kind of militaristic. They were an empire and they were, they took the same path, right? Oh, well they showed up and like, oh, here's this place, the Citadel. And it's just here for us. And, and, and everybody to this point has assumed the Protheans created the mass relays and, we and the it. Citadel. No, they've just, right. Well. And so they explain like, no, we, we found the Citadel and these mass relays and we started using them and, um, and the keepers were there and, you know, and then they, so it really explains that the Citadel is a mass relay and it's, it's a trap to lure you in and make you comfortable. And so you're easy to knock out your center of command. Yeah. The, the coolest part for me during all that was him saying like, because they've seated these mass relays in the Citadel and they've done this over so many different generations, like the Protheans weren't the first ones they did this to by far that they, they've kind of figured out that by, introducing this technology to races while they're evolving 
they can kind of choose how they're evolving and they kind of evolve how they want them to. So you've got like these, the Reapers are like making people get to the point they want them to and no further, like because of the technology they've introduced. And with the mass relays sculpted where they will be. So they're easy to get to and easy to kind of locate and control. So again, they've kind of set this trap up with the mass relays to where, you know, that will be your center of everything. And so when the Reapers show up, they wipe out your center of everything. And then now you're split up. That's what he explains. Like all of our head of everything was there. The Reapers arrived, wiped it was all out. And then we were all fragmented and then we're easy to pick off. So over the next few decades, the, the Reapers just came in yeah. and wiped out system by system and got rid of us. And, and like just plain old killing them, but they'd also like, indoctrinate some to like go spy on others and rat them out and find them and and, like kill them in little more scrupulous ways as well and they talk about how the keepers were really set up as one of the early races that the because obviously if you only come every 50,000 years the equipment might fail or things in between that so they set these keepers up just to keep maintain everything so a the races that go there don't really find out what the secret is and B, it will work for them when they need to come back. Um, right. and- I, d- I did think it was a little bit odd, even early on in the Citadel, where it's like, oh, like, like we found this thing. Like, it was here. And then, like, what are the keepers? <laughs> right. They came with the place. They 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 do things here. Yeah. Like, well, it- does anyone know what they're doing? Oh, they're probably maintaining it. Like, they just yeah. let them do what they do. I think his name is Chorbin. Like, how's that side quest to get you to scan the keepers, too? And I really thought that yes. was going to pay off in some way but it doesn't yeah just a little experience like and like and not even like a little codex entry when you hit each one like you hit one that's like you know a couple experience points and then i think the whole purpose of that quest is just to get you to look around the citadel that is 100 percent the purpose i was just hoping for a payoff at the end of that there really is but you do learn though that the last time around the protheans had messed with the keepers so that the next time the call went out, they would not answer. Um, so that way they were like, okay, how can we keep this from happening again? So the Protheans... Yeah, so the, the Protheans that survived on Ilos are the ones that mm-hmm. did that. Like they had you know, thousands of people in a cryostasis that this VI was supposed to wake up. And as time went on and power got low, he's like, I got to choose who's going to live and die here or everyone's going to die. So he starts shutting off the, the workers and the maintenance crew. And, and he ends up with just like a couple dozen scientists at the end. Um, and they're like, like we're not enough to repopulate our species, but we can't let this cycle keep going on. So they're the ones that take the, master relay from ilos to the citadel and make sure the keepers don't function like they're supposed to function like that's their life's work well even they build that it's like a mini mat the conduit is a mini mass relay that takes them into the citadel and it's a one-way trip and so once they've done building it they're like we're going to go there and make sure that the reapers can't use this again next time and the vi's be like that's the last i heard of them you know they went there I'm assuming because you're here and we're talking that it worked. And then you get into like, okay, well then, so what happened? And then the VI is like, well, it makes sense that the Reapers would have left like one of them around just to kind of monitor things in case something went wrong so they could go and like 
do what needed to do. And that's what you find out. Okay, yeah, that's what's happened. So since they tried to activate the Citadel and it didn't work, then Har- uh, Sovereign was like, okay, I have to go figure this out, repair the Citadel so I can get the rest of the Reapers here. Because you learn the Reapers live out like yeah, way so. in deep space somewhere where they can't be found because they basically go into hibernation in between. Yeah, so you find out that Sovereign didn't start like just a little prior to Mass Effect. Like he's probably been at this for decades, maybe centuries, like trying to get get in there and get the relay activated again and open up the Citadel. Yeah, and that's been the whole thing, and that's why he's done what he's done is so he can get Saren to go there and activate the Citadel so the rest of the Reapers can arrive. So Saren goes through the conduit first, and then after learning what you learn, you go through the conduit. There's all war has broken out on the Citadel because nobody was expecting a battle. And for some reason, Saren and his few Geth have just totally wrecked everything, which you're kind of like, there weren't that many Geth he took with him. That doesn't make sense. Like, we had Seasick. I mean, yeah. but anyway, it's wrecked, right? Everything yeah. is falling apart. And so, like, their, like, Sovereign shows up and is to start wrecking all these ships because they're not prepared. And um, they so like close. Well, they're they're a little prepared. They're not prepared for like a reaper, but like they started getting ships around to like uh, just in case something happens because you've been warning them that uh, Saren and the Geth might attack at the very least. And so um, they're like close the citadel. Um, and so Sovereign's coming, and of course, like right before the citadel closes, Sovereign gets in and attaches himself uh, so that way. You know, again, they can reawaken this mass relay, take over, and bring the rest of the Reapers there. And then essentially it's your fight to Saren after that. I mean, you just have like this cool, like, anti gravity thing, like, fight you have to do to climb to where Saren, uh, the Sovereign is. And then you have the last battle with Saren. So, um, you get a conversation with them too before you fight. Yeah, because it's like um, a two stage. When you have your charm like maxed stage. out, yeah, you, you can kind of convince him like you don't need to do this. It's like, not too late. Come on, right? like you can, you can yeah. fight. And he and he he tells um, you during that conversation, he's like, "I let him implant me with stuff now. Like I am fully indoctrinated, and I kind of aware." And then right at the end of that conversation, when you're full Paragon and you've got the charm, he's like, he's like, thanks for that, Shepard. And he shoots himself in the head. But then because of all the implants, Sovereign just like takes control of his like body and, and you still have to fight him anyway. Yeah. I loved that moment that, uh, uh, that he, that he did that. And, you know, obviously there's a, a way for Sovereign to take him back. But I thought that, that, cause that was the first thing he did like the whole game that was like, all right, this is even though you said like before in like the prequel book that he's like really like, you know, pretty much a bad guy before that. Yeah. This is like the only thing you where you see where he's like, "Nah, like this isn't me. This isn't worth it. I got to stop this." And then he tries to stop. So, I kind of struggled with that cuz it was really out of character after reading the book, but the more I think about it, I don't think it's thank you for making me make the right choice. I think it's like thank you for getting this indoctrination out of my head. Boom, like He's like, thanks for making me Saren again. I don't think he's saying thanks, like, for I want to help humanity. I want to help all these other races. Mm. Like, I think he's still a selfish person at the end of And that. even Renegade, gotcha. you do take another path, but it's still the, you know, he offs himself thing. Um, you're just talking to him in a different way to get it to happen. 
And that is the weird thing about that last fight. Then, yeah, so he collapses, and you think, like, oh, okay, you know, it's over. And, and she's, like, check right. that he's dead. And Bam. Rex waddles down there and shoots him in the head again, and Tally's like, he's dead. Yeah, well, one of your characters, because, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Rex for me, but, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he comes back to life. But you really get the impression, especially after you beat him, that Sovereign has transferred himself into the body of Saren. Um, because it's a long fight with lots of geth that keep dropping in. I don't... Oh, mine has no oh, geth okay. dropping Well, in, on Insanity... It's just Saren. It's still a long On Insanity, fight yeah, like, periodically, you have these geth just keep dropping in. So you have to manage them while you're fighting Saren. Um, which is tough. I'll be honest. It's not an easy fight. It's very long and you have to be smart about it because he'll smoke you fast. Um, and he jumps around like crazy. He's really hard to target. It's hard to, yeah. And like, I don't know for you guys, but at least like for mine, once his shields got down to a certain point and I'd done so much damage, there's like a cutscene, more geth. And then he starts his shield back up again. And... (laughs) And you, yeah, you get that cutscene with like Joker, like taking a big shot at the uh, uh, Sovereign, kind of leading the Alliance crew towards the, uh-huh. the battle. And uh, so eventually, you do take down Sovereign, and I mean Saren, well, Saren slash Sovereign. And once you kill him, then mm-hmm. Sovereign just basically kind of goes limp, and then the ships take him out. Right? They him like basically all his energy has been expended in this battle with you and there's nothing left to really protect himself anymore um and yeah and every race is like kind of on board with this is our target now yep and they lead the charge um but there's this other part that's in there too about the council ship right that's going on through all this about should we save the council and protect them or should we just focus everything on sovereign i forgot um, about that so yeah. i'm curious of what because i'm going to guess you probably saved the council but i had a good relationship with the council i didn't hang up on them once so yeah i yeah uh, i swooped in saved the day and uh it was it was a cool conversation after because they're they're like wow he like humanity just took like a great sacrifice like you guys lost a lot of ships and a lot of people to save the council of no human race like it was Turian, Solarians, Asari. Uh, so I'm in really good standing with the council right now. You could probably guess what I did. <laughs> hung up on them you one final on time. Well, you get the choice, you know, which is basically like, <laughs> did, did you call them first? You're like, hey, we're not coming back. <laughs> hey, guys, guys, I have a chance to save you right now. Guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> uh, that would be great. Of course you don't. I mean, it's just like the choice is, hey, do we keep our fleet strong for the final battle or do we save the thing? And uh, the Destiny Ascension, that's what they call it. Um, and to me, I'm like, no. And again, if I'm Shepard that's focused on taking out the Reapers, I don't care about that stupid ship. Take yeah. out Sovereign. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. They've they're, also like, like, could, stopped, like can impeded the your Well, progress. and that's the whole thing. Like The reason I kept hanging yeah, They've also up, impeded your progress Yeah, like every time I kept hanging up time. on like, the councils because they keep going like, the Reapers aren't a thing. And I'm just like, screw you guys, man. I know what's up. 
That's why one final call would have been great. Hey, you see that Reaper? Bye. <laughs> but yeah, you let the uh, let the council go. I mean, and there's a conversation at the end of the game about it because, um, I mean, you guys can talk about the Paragon choices, but at the end of the game, there's no council, right? At the council, people all died. And so you have a choice at the end. It's like, what do we do? And there's Anderson and there's Udina there. And so your choices are basically like... Set up another council the way it was, right? Just appoint some more alien guys and just do your thing. Or you can be like, we should have a human council. Uh, And so I chose the, let's have a human council, because I'm thinking, they didn't believe me last time. I'm not messing around with this stuff. So that's... So like a totally human council? There's no other... Yes. So... That's pretty mm, bonkers. So I chose the human council, which, of course... They were not a lot of people were not real thrilled with that, right? They were pretty. Some of the aliens were a bit upset, um, but on the other hand, some were like, "Look, you got it done, right? Where all this stuff was happening, you were right, and you got it done." Um, and so, like the last choice is basically who's going to head the council? Is it going to be Anderson, Udina, or you just let them de- duke it out, right? And let politicians do what politicians do. And so that was my choice because I'm thinking like on my shepherd, I don't care about the political crap, right? I've got I got a duty to do, so I just said you guys sort it out, and that ends with basically Udina being the head of the council. And again, it's oh, a really? whole human council. Yeah. Sure. So the Paragon route uh, council's all there. They're super happy, like they've recognized the sacrifice, and so like we want a human on here, and we trust your instincts so who do you recommend and they give you same thing udina anderson or you pick and so i, I went with anderson because udina kind of backstabbed us a couple times and anderson's always had our back um so yeah i that's that's how mine ended where they added a, a human member to the council and do you know what's broken about this and i'm guessing because they just didn't set it up right is when you go into me2 it does not import that part and you have to tell it like what happened at the end and like oh, weird uh, i was wondering because after i finished the mission it didn't have like an yep. extra save it, the only my last most recent save was like right before i found that's Sarah. why in me2 one of the first things you do when you're creating your characters you say what happened at the end with a council so they didn't fix that in the legendary i edition, expected them to but they didn't weird and so you still have to say this is what happened to the council so i had to tell it ah, human council and then it asks you like who was in charge of the council so I mean I could, totally could have changed all of it at, right there, but I, I mean I just yeah. stuck with it. But um, you you could bring the council back so you could keep, keep hanging up on them some more. On two, I, could kill, I could kill them again, kill you a second right? time. But uh, no, that's how it ended. But yeah, that's the weird part of about me too. Is if you don't like that, who cares? Right, just throw it out and do something else. <laughs> and I don't know if it's glitched in the legendary edition or what, but it told me like when you import your character, it has like a breakdown of like some of the choices and things that you made. And like for the end, like the thing, the route, it says you took the Paragon route. And I was like, I chose mostly renegade things. So yeah. I don't like your, your meter. Like, was it red? Yeah. I mean, I had some blue, right. But I don't know if it's just glitched or it's based on some choice. I don't know. But it said, like, I took Paragon. Mm. But, like, as I've had the conversation with everybody, it remembers all the other stuff. So I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah. Mm. But I guess that's... 
Mass Effect One. Maybe because you saved the Rachni. I'm trying to think of any of the like the big things, but it sounds like all your other options were pretty Renegade. So yeah, I don't know. and I think that's the thing to keep in mind with this with playing Renegade because I'd not done like it really doesn't change a lot. I mean, sometimes you have the option just to like yeah. say screw it and kill people, but the story yeah. kind of follows the same path. Um, I mean. I guess there's some yeah. things you could do. Like I didn't to go totally because then I would have known I would not have had certain characters. I wouldn't have had Rex and Garrus, and I'm like, so I, what I did there is I just took the neutral option, so they could come along, but I'd be kind of like, well, I'll keep my eye on you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because when you what, I found that with the first few guys when they join you, like the top option is like, glad to have you on the team. The middle option is like, well, I guess you can come too. And the bottom option is like we don't need you on our team, so you've got two joins, but one is like that yeah. neutral one. Yeah. So, closing thoughts on Mass Effect One. So, yeah, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, uh, just uh, that I looked up after we we had talked about it, just to confirm here, um, there is a codex entry that was added in the Bring Down the Sky DLC called Technology Translation, <laughs> and it goes through some details uh, through. Uh, uh, most races uh, 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 that interact in alliance space and have civil, you know, have civilized uh, trade uh, uh, things like that, um, through many, many different forms, including PDAs, computers, and clothing or jewelry, subdermal implants. Um, because without fast and accurate translation, galactic trade and culture would not exist. And there's actually like a good little bit of detail in there on how, um, even though this technology is available, many children of different alien races do take courses in uh, what they call um, trade language in other uh, uh, for other species, so that they can actually speak the language enough to interact and trade with the with the rest of the uh, races. So. It looks like that was something that they addressed in the codex. If anyone was interested in getting some more details, DLC on that. that technology doesn't exist in my Mass Effect. <laughs> that's not on the disc. Unexplained. <laughs> we'll that's never something know. I do want to mention about this game and series in general is that the codex has so much stuff in it. I mean, it really fleshes everything out. That's and great. on some of the major entries, it even has a voiceover where it'll tell you the story. So yeah. I. I believe all the major, like the primary ones, and then like when you go to the secondary ones, you got to read them. But on those primaries, you'll just hit that down on the D-pad, and a guy will just start talking. And what's so cool about that is like, not that you know, not that I can't read or not that I don't like reading, but like sometimes like if you want to go through like you know, five, ten, fifteen minutes, so like let's get like some lore dump in here. It's just nice to like hit the thing, put the controller down. And just kind of, you know, drink a glass of water and just, like, take that info in. And it's really cool just to, oh, I want to hear that again. And just, like, hit the down and up again and, like, just have it read to you. But, yeah, it is super dense with uh, uh, with as much as you want to uh, consume. And I wonder if that's kind of where they went astray to a degree with um, Andromeda. Um, and probably, I think, probably the prime mistake around that is when you travel to a whole new galaxy and you only bring along a certain thing, like all of that just gets tossed aside. Like all of that lore and backstory, mm. you just lose everything that makes the mass effect universe what it is. And it's like, yeah, yeah. we don't, we want to be there, right? We like that. We don't want some right. other yeah. thing. 
So I'll be curious when we get through the trilogy. Yeah, it was it was if we at some point agree to maybe do a, an Andromeda run, but we'll we'll get we'll get there. I I've been thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I I keep hearing from people um uh that uh you know it's it is a flawed game um that is absolutely worth your time to play. And I I've had that experience with other games before. Where I'm like, "Listen, I'm not going to tell you it's going to win awards, but I think it's absolutely worth your time to, you know, give it a try." Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, it's, I've had that experience with, uh, one of my favorite science fiction books of all time is, uh, by, uh, uh, Dan Simmons. It's called Hyperion and Hyperion is like one of my like perfect sci-fi novels. It's like, oh, I did. It's so, so, so good. And so I found out, uh, you know, after reading it that like, oh, he actually, um, he did another story in this, uh, in this series, uh, called Endymion. Like, all right, I'm on board. So I gr- I grabbed the book and I like read the back of it. And to his credit, he like gave you a warning. He's like, if it, I, I can't remember if it was written in universe or like as an author, but it was the gist of it was like, if you are you know reading this because like you're a huge fan of Hyperion, like that's awesome. But know that this is set hundreds and hundreds of years away from the time frame in Hyperion. You're not going to see any of the characters. There's not going to be any resolution. It's 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 related tangentially, but it's like just same universe type thing. And I I was really disappointed by that because I was like, oh, I love this story so much. I want the characters. But what happened was I, I ended up reading it anyway. And oh my god, am I glad I did it because yeah, they're like yeah, it's not like directly related, but I found out. Uh, there, there's it's really hard to explain if you haven't read Hyperion but once you know this character that's in there there's kind of this mystical character that you're not sure is a dream you're not sure something else and you get the closer on who that is in this book and it's so beautiful and so perfect so it's one of those things where even though it's like far 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 off you know in this same universe I'm really hoping that there's some redeeming qualities in Andromeda because it really, really was a, a shame to have that come out and kind of get the reception that it got after, you know, Emmy won. So neither of you played Andromeda? Nope. I've had a copy for a while. Yeah, I haven't played it because I wanted to beat Emmy 3 first. Uh, so I'm hopefully about to do that in the next uh, few weeks. And then I'm, yeah, I'm strongly considering giving Andromeda a try. I would, I would do another Andromeda run if you guys want to do that and do a show on it. Um, cool. Well, absolutely. Uh, the only thing I wanted to add before we close up is one thing I super appreciate about this, and I can't remember if it leads into two or three as well, uh, but I love when you get those codex entries and when you talk to people, you get experience mm-hmm. for that. You get rewarded mm-hmm. to your character for just talking to people and exploring the universe and learning more about it. It's not just the codex entry. like You get character stats for exploring and talking and that is something i wish like every game would do especially role-playing games and even like the decryption like you open a weapons locker you get xp for that um yeah and i like that yeah use your skills do things in the game you get experience and uh, although i don't think it's possible to max level in a first run I got really close. What's the cap? 60? 60, and then in Legendary, it's 30. But it's all scaled, so it doesn't matter. Gotcha. Yeah, because I got, like I said, I got the achievement for majority of the missions done, and I know I missed a bunch. I probably have, you know, another maybe 10 side quests to do. 
Um, and I think I was 44 or something when I was done. So maybe I could have got to 46, 47 if I would have cleaned up those last bunch. But yeah, I wouldn't have got to 60. I did everything I could do, and I got to twenty level 27. So pretty pretty yeah. close. Yeah. So I, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, when you import it, you do get some and, bonus stuff for having played. And you have the DLC there too. Yeah, but um, I'm thinking there's you'd have to play twice to max. There's just no way to do it. Um, because it's a, just a fixed number of stuff you can do. Although I did find there is a place at the very last mission that infinitely respawns an enemy, but it's so low of experience, you'd have to... You'd spend, like, a yeah. day or two just killing this one thing over and over, so... Nobody would do it. And it doesn't matter. I mean, like, the import... I don't think it matters a whole lot. Like, when I start ME2, it's like, oh, here was your level. We're going to start you out level 5 as a bonus. Um, so I'm going to guess it's probably not. It's probably just right. you get to start at level 5 or something. There's probably not really a big difference or anything there. Um, but yeah, I, Mass Effect 1, if you ask me, is a great game. Some pieces are flawed. Combat's not great. The item structure is way too complicated, and the number of items you get is too You can much. just ignore it, though. Don't need to do that. Like you get, so just use your pistol, never buy an item, and you can still finish the on, game. On on normal, maybe you can, but on normal, yeah. Um, and I don't like that the later games are as are very restrictive on that. Um, and even like with armor and things, like you get a lot of choice in ME one, and you just don't get that much choice in ME two. But it's okay. Um, but they're different games. And they do different things. But um, overall, I really enjoyed my time back with, with ME1. In a few years, I'll probably give it another go. It was very comfortable to jump back into. Yeah, felt really... Love that universe. I, yeah. I think I said it to Chris yeah. off show before, but like, I haven't seen the Legendary Edition in action yet. Um, and I was still really surprised at how good the facial animations are for a 2007 game but he laughs at me he says that I'm an it idiot. looks terrible um, so I gotta check out these new ones uh, like yeah, I don't know I thought they were still pretty good like the environments are pretty barren um, but I thought the characters still looked a lot of the characters because that's what I was talking to Kelsey I was saying you know I went back and watched some like videos of, like the 360 version and stuff and like a lot of the textures like a smeary mess and I did see a lot of pop in, and especially and I remembered it happening in my first playthrough when it started happening in my second one. Uh, the la- whole last part, once you've taken the relay from uh, Ilos back to the Citadel, everything the frame rate must have been like five. Like it was just it's super choppy, and I remembered that being really choppy back when I played it in the day too. Like it hasn't uh, just struggles to get through those cutscenes. Yeah. I, I remember, um, so I didn't go back and look at old footage, but like I started the game up and like yeah, it looks really good. It's, the ultra wide, it's supported, which is great, so it, it all pulls out. All of the lens flare that's like absolutely everywhere looks good. The music's great, so it's all the nostalgia is coming back in. And, and then it kind of like you know cuts into that first Joker scene where it's like uh, just under 1500k, and then it's him and Caden and uh, Nihilus. And it's not like it looked bad, but you know how they do like uh, uh, like you know facial animations now is um, uh, 
some of its motion capture, um, some of it's like those like you know big cameras that they put dots on the actor's face and they kind of like uh, uh, like map it so it looks better. So you could tell this was back before they were doing that, and there was like some puppeteer like manually moving around the person's face. So besides the fact that you can just tell that that's happening, um, and like you know the resolution's higher, there's like you know some shininess, some reflections, some additional de- uh, detail. Um, to me, like you kind of hit that like uncanny valley with the eyes where like you can tell the eyes are like a separate you know like an entity from like the rest of like the the model that's creating the thing and there's just there's just always something that just like feels like a little bit detached about the eyes like when i'm you know kind of like looking at one of these guys but other than you know kind of just like those things that i've always kind of seen in in the mass effect uh, uh you know animations I didn't think it looked bad at all for, you know, considering, like, you know, where it came from. And I remember when Mass Effect 1 first came out, being absolutely blown away by how good uh, it looked when you would just get in those, like, little dialogue sequences and uh, just kind of get into some of those things. So it was it was hugely impressive to me back then. And it's, it's, not, it's not bad now, and it's not distracting. It's just something that, like, I'll kind of notice if I, like, look at it from a certain point of view. But... Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm totally. So happy I've got with the way a thought, and you can always cut this out too if you want later because you're editing this thing. But we have Patreon, and that money is for this show. Would you be willing to take the Patreon money to buy Legendary Playthrough One again to catch up with us so you can get the full story as we go forward? Uh, I. I always feel bad doing that. Like I, I feel like that should go to equipment, not just to me. Buying See, I, I think it's a part of this show, and people are going to get a lot of entertainment out of it. And so, if that brings you into the conversation better and to enjoy it, I think to me that's a good use of the money. Yeah, we, we can we talk about it more later. But I, I will say I am very much enjoyed my old master playthrough. Like I didn't feel like I was missing out. I would use that money to fly Kelsey to Connecticut to play. Through I don't think that's going to cut house. it. And then, <laughs> hey, the Maybe airlines might be ticket. desperate. They they haven't been getting a lot of passengers this last year. Seventy dollar flights. We got it. So uh, so yeah, does that does that just about wrap it up with? Uh, so yeah, the. Um, the Mass Effect One uh, for a couple of these uh, these guys are in the is in the books, um, so I'm gonna do my very best to uh, catch up so we can kind of all get on the same page uh, uh, with our progress in two. And uh, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, talk about it next show. Maybe we'll take one one more show just to make sure we can all get through it, and just to give us a little bit of a break, you know, from uh, Mass Effect to something else. But uh, as always, right. want to thank. Uh, Got to beat at least patrons. two NES games a week. Got to keep that. <laughs> yeah, right. Up. Well. Ch- well, at, you know, at this rate, championship pool, you're going to need to do some more research and uh, have top men help you with that one. I've actually got so, a top uh, woman helping me with that one right now. So she's oh, going to cool. send me a, a video with some, some tips. Awesome. So uh, as always, I want to thank our patrons. I know we mentioned Engineer Mike before, who's uh, joined in with Mass Effect. Um, we're going to keep playing Mass Effect, whether or not it's you know the very next show or the show after that we talk about it. So anybody who's considering that Legendary Edition, um, or if you just you know like Kelsey style, want to just grab the old edition and pop it in and play along, uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, jump in the Discord chat with us. Uh, I've tried my best to uh, continue uh, reading some Batman. 
uh it's it's been a little tough uh you know with uh with my wife traveling but uh you, you finally got to bit, the scarecrow in. stuff like you get into like the climax of of volume two which yeah. uh should go by pretty quick yeah it's getting it's getting pretty late in the in the uh in the batman uh you know in that, in that nightfall book we're reading and i'm always happy like because i never know if i'm going to say something that these guys you know these comic book gurus are going to be like oh yeah bill we've known that for like 20 years so i always love it when i find something i throw a picture in there and kelsey's like oh great catch i've never seen that before so it's it a bunch of times just like a little yeah it's usually just like a little detail that like just kind of popped out to me but it's it really has been cool, right? Kelsey's like, oh, you're right. That is the first time that happened. Or, oh, yeah, that is a connection. So. Sometimes, too, like I catch something that I mean to write, and then I've got all this other stuff I say, and I forget something. Um, like you brought yeah. up the <laughs> conversation that uh, Bruce and Oracle have when he's in a wheelchair about how she just kind of is trying to encourage him and say, like, it gets better. It's really hard. And it's just mm-hmm. really cool couple panels of someone trying to relate to someone who's learning about a new disability. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't say anything about that. You brought it up, and I, I wish I would have brought that up because it, it is an amazing panel in, in a book yeah. that doesn't have a lot of great writing in it. So it's really cool when those moments come out. For, for real. And I sent this picture in, you know, because, Chris, we're not just all about um, worshipping Batman. We will also point out plenty of bat flaws. So uh, there's, a, there's a picture that I posted in the Bat Chat Discord uh, after finishing my read the other night. Where I was like, oof, like this is a really, really poorly written panel. And so it's it's really, it's Alfred in the background, uh, Bruce in the foreground with like bandages on his face. Uh, and he's, and uh, Alfred's like, oh, like what's, what, wasn't it over here? And like uh, uh, Bruce is like, yes, that's right. It's here in the computerized directory. Because that's how people talk. And then he says, uh, I was going to say, is this like that, from 1984 <laughs> or something? Or... Yeah. It's like 93-ish. Well, okay, well then, yeah. you know. It's, it's uh, under siege uh, dark territory. Uh, territory. So, um, but yeah. So, uh, again, just uh, anyone wants to jump in with the bat chat or just play some games with us or just jump in a general and just kind of like uh, BS when you're at work. Um, you know, we're, we're always in there. So. Bill can explain all his Destiny memes to you. Yeah, I I was told to dump Destiny memes and I did, and then I still got the uh, well, like I guess I guess that might make sense. <laughs> I was in a big Destiny mood. Well, because the 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 um, community manager for Bungie, he he was like, hey, like send me your your best Destiny memes right now. I'm in a mood. So I I got to see a, a handful that I had never seen before. So that was fun. And and apparently but, somebody uh, has to murder Gix the Gecko or something. I don't know. You guys were sharing something. <laughs> I, I would say though that like um, yeah. for our existing patrons and anybody else that might be interested, if there are perks or something you want or you something are interested in, let us know. Um, you know we're happy to, you know if something would work better for you. I'm also happy with you just want to throw a few bucks our way. I mean that's fine too. But um, you know if there's something that you'd like to see or something, let us know. Talk to us. I really we really appreciate all the the help from the patrons though. That's. Yeah, it's awesome. Keeps the lights on. So, uh, yeah, that'll just about do it for episode 76. So uh, we will see you all next time. 